What's going on, guys? My name is Aldenero, and welcome to episode 76 of the Midnight Hour. I'm pretty sure it's episode 76, but it's also the last ever episode of all time in 2016, so we'll see you next year. Um, but it's really good to close out the year with a look back on what happened in that year because it's an arbitrary amount of time and we use it to define an era. So 2016 is in the general consensus a horrible year and we're all glad to see the back of it because so many terrible things happened. There were unprecedented events such as Brexit where Britain voted to leave the EU Donald Trump is now the president of America, but there were also really good things like Leicester City won the Premier League and probably good things that weren't just that thing. But um, I think it's so easy to look at things with a sort of a dreary and gloomy outlook when you sort of condense the year into just the bad things that happen and the fact that we lost celebrities that we couldn't afford to lose, um, the fact that obviously in the political sphere the world is changing, or at least this feels like it's a very important time, and some of us feel like we're losing some kind of a battle, and it's not always about that, and I want to look at the year in a different light, and I want to discuss particularly just pieces of pop culture that we've enjoyed from this year and how lucky we are to live in a time where such amazing entertainment is available to us and that we can just switch off from the things that distract us or the things that make us sad and we can tune into a whole nother world of like amazing you can go into like a, a video game and uh, become a superhero or you can watch like the marvel movies that are out you can watch star wars there are so many amazing things that i wanted to get through and discuss and um, that naturally there were things that i didn't even get to so um, this episode is an alternative take on 2016 and a viewing of the year primarily through the looking glass of pop culture and what was created and produced this year and how it impacted us and uh, the difference that it made in our lives and things like that. I'm joined today by Santiago from Weird With You who um, obviously was in last week's episode which I know that a lot of you will probably not have heard because I didn't put it on YouTube at first because I didn't have the time then I did put it on YouTube but it got taken down after like a day uh, so not a lot of people saw it and then I put it up again and it got taken down again and then I put it up one final time so it's lingering now on like a hundred views but I know that more people would have seen it in the meantime but anyway um, if you do want to check it out it's obviously the video before this video and I'm pretty sure that you know how to work with stuff like that but uh, I'm really happy to have Santiago back on the podcast unfortunately Justine didn't have the time the other uh, co-host from Weird With You but um, I really think that this is a really good episode and that you guys will really enjoy our insights on, you know, huge things that happened this year. We start out talking about video games and then move into movies and then eventually into music. I talk a lot about music and I feel sort of bad when I do because I know that only about like 10% of you care, but I care and I love music. So I talk about music a lot. This episode opens with... Near to the Wild Heart of Life by Japan Droids. It's a single of theirs that dropped this year, towards the end of this year, and they have an album that's coming out in 2017, and it's one that I'm really, really, really looking forward to. Uh, so I guess that that is everything I wanted to say out of the way. 
If you want to discuss the episode, check out the subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash midnight hour. Check out the iTunes link if you want to listen there. It'll be in the description. If you want to listen on SoundCloud, that too will be linked off in the description. And obviously, check out the podcast Weird With You, which will also be in the description, funnily enough. That's where I keep everything these days, is just in the description of the video. Uh, it's it's easier, you know, I feel like uh, it's, it's handy to have things to click on. You don't have to, you know... You know. This is why, I don't know why I do this. Anyway, all the links will be in the description, every single one of them. And I'll talk to you at the end of the episode, and you'll hear my voice throughout the episode. So, with all of that out of the way, enjoy the episode, I'll talk to you. You can't condemn your love to linger here and die. Can't leave your dreams to chance or to a spirit in the sky. Power in the verse can stop me. So, I'm joined today by one half of our friends over at the Weird With You podcast. That sounded like a really weird Hello. thing to say. <laughs> I'm joined by Santiago. It's literally half of my body. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 my top half and Justine's lower half are here. And, w- and we've, we've just connected. What a whole person you've become. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bizarre uh, mix of, of uh, brains and and body parts. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. It's almost like a normal human body, but slightly different. <laughs> exactly. So, today we are going to talk about Donald Trump for two hours. No, um, today we're going to talk about the good things of 2016, because it's been such a weird year in the sense that mm-hmm. the world has, like, consciously decided that existence is unbearable and that we are on a downward spiral and there is no way out of it and uh i don't subscribe to that notion and i don't i i am continually baffled by the amount of people who think that this is the only year where a bunch of celebrities died um like i think that that's strange i will concede that a lot of them are celebrities that we couldn't really afford to lose. Like, I don't think we have another Prince or another Bowie, you know, in in, in the wings waiting. Mm-hmm. But uh, people die, and uh, it's sad. And yes, obviously, we can mourn them and stuff. But we have to stop saying, like, oh, 2016 claims another one. Like, the year itself is not going around murdering people in their sleep, so... Just, Justine and I uh, are going to be talking about this in a in a future episode of our show, but... It, it's it's like people personify the year as some sort of malevolent entity yeah. that is going around purposefully selecting people that we love and plucking them from this existence. And it's kind of a ridiculous idea. I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying also. Donald Glover has, uh, has a joke in his, in his stand-up. Um, I think it's a weirdo. 
appropriately was no. the the show that he does it on and he says something like uh his his parents i think it's his dad uh tells him constantly you know like oh you you kids like i feel so bad for you like this is the worst time this is the worst time and he says like this isn't the worst time this is the best time mm-hmm. because like before you used to go outside it's like don't go outside because it's dark out and you'll die <laughs> you know like stuff used to be a lot worse than it is now um i think a lot of it has to do with social media also right like we we're a lot more exposed to the things that are happening you know uh we find out things a lot faster and there when the media machine uh grabs on to the idea of like trending topics like that's been a thing that's existed since before twitter and hashtags and it's only been amplified right so oh you like talking about dead celebrities well here's a bunch more that died you know and it's like i i don't know it, it's it's exactly like you say it's a bit it i don't subscribe to it it's a it's a bit ridiculous to to blame the year for something when bad stuff happens all the time yeah you know? plus once you get that idea in your head it grows like a and it spreads like a virus because it gets to a point where people are like oh no the extra in the background of my favorite movie that drinks a coffee <laughs> is dead Ah, this year, man. This fucking year. And it's like... Ah, no. All right. Like, I mean, celebrities die all the time. And that's not to... Like, it sounds like such a harsh thing to say. But But I know people... Like, this is the thing. I was talking about this the other day. It's like, people got engaged this year to the person that they're going to be with for the rest of their life. You know? And, like, for them, 2016 wasn't this horrible year you know like for them that's the beginning of forever and i'm not saying that everybody who got engaged this year's relationship is gonna last i hope so but that's genuinely generally not the case but you know what i mean it's like people had like wonderful things that happened in their lives and i feel well it's like almost like um making people feel shitty for enjoying 2016 when everybody's crapping on it yeah plus i i absolutely love the idea of someone like literally a week ago like imagine somebody coming to you and saying like dude you got to check out this George Michael song and just feel the emotion in it. Like he, he was he, like, he is so good at pro- like, no, nobody would take you seriously if you said that. And now because he's dead, everybody's yeah. like this fucking guy, man, this, this is the best music. And it's like, no, it's not that you actually, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to say that he, when he says, don't leave me hanging there like a yo-yo, he, oh, <laughs> you can just feel that somebody once at some time left him hanging. Yeah. And like he, a yo-yo. And he was bobbing up and down, powerless against In the life. string. Yeah, and it, it's the current of the universe. Oh man, this is profound. <laughs> the unstoppable tide of time. Maybe this was a bad year. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Just cut the podcast. <laughs> Nothing good happened. Run away. Um, I, I guess to uh to what's the word to. I want, I want to contrast all of this negativity with some positivity and think about how lucky we are to exist in an era where you can say to yourself, man, I would love to watch a TV show about space. And you can go to Netflix and there's like 50 of them and like 48 of them are ones that you haven't even seen before. But you can still rewatch Firefly for the 50th time and like no one can judge you for it and it's amazing. And it's just, we live in an era of really, really good pieces of media and entertainment and like we don't really appreciate how lucky we are to be surrounded by or or to be like engulfed in this world of incredible high budget tv shows like i don't know i grew up watching an australian soap called home and away and let me tell Mm -hmm. you it wasn't that good 
but I knew <laughs> every episode and all the characters and like fell in love with at least 10 of the women in it. And now I have really good TV shows. Like I've seen, you know, the likes of Breaking Bad and, and stuff like that. And those were unheard mm-hmm. of when I was growing up. So I absolutely. think there's there's been a, a bend towards, you know, premium television is where everything's going mm-hmm. because cable TV is failing and like people don't want to pay for cable and satellite anymore. And these subscriptions to higher end services like HBO and stars is even getting up there uh, coming out with American Gods in 2017. You know, it's it's. It's the age of like premium television, yeah, you know, and and premium entertainment, and a lot of things that I think would have been turned into movies before are becoming uh, TV shows. Because can you imagine how crappy like a single Game of Thrones book condensed into one three-hour movie would have come out yeah. compared to what we've gotten? Yeah, absolutely. That's like so. I, I think um, I think TV shows are actually replacing books and they're doing a really good job of it. Like they're doing something that movies can't quite do and that is the the character development and just the building of different storylines and stuff and the fact that it can happen over like 72 whole hours instead of just two and a half right. or whatever. Well, I, it that's also something that's mirrored in uh, other entertainment like like video games. And actually I'd even argue that like it's not necessarily books are being replaced but um, we're finding new ways to tell stories in engaging ways, yeah, right? Like There's that. things that books can do that films and TV and video games can't do. In the same way, the reason that most video game movies fail, and we're probably going to get into this later, uh, is that, you know, book, games do things that, like, the, the storytelling devices that are used in games are completely different from those used in films, and they don't necessarily mesh well with each other and it, it's not necessarily that but that people haven't found the correct way to they haven't found the recipe for a good video game movie and like we've had things that are kind of okay but um and and, and so like video games also you know like there, there's stuff happening with video games we, we can talk about it in a negative light like the the death of the of the mid-tier game like those 6.5 7.5 games that used to come out constantly uh the, the kind of like filler wear um game that doesn't ex- like thq used to put out like crazy yeah. uh you know what i'm talking about yeah. um it's like that middleware uh, there's a proper term for that but um and now everything is like triple a yeah or it's... indie and the indie games are triple a yeah the indie games are like thriving in this sort of environment and it's really interesting to see and so are phone app games like those things like they boom and they get such a huge like traction with people and their user base and it's actually incredible to see because like we have games like Metal Gear Solid 5 and then to contrast probably more people played Angry Birds than played Metal Gear Solid 5 which is just incredibly interesting because I don't know it it goes to show that uh, even with this like really super high quality mega production games there's also plenty of room for basic games that you can make yourself and stuff like i i feel like this is maybe like a very inspiring age to live in if you are a creative person because there are so many avenues in which you can uh channel that kind of energy now whereas before it was very very limited you know like well look look at us like uh you want to talk about awesome stuff that happened in 27 or 2016 rather the weird with you launched it's a podcast it's a great podcast it's a wonderful podcast. It's probably the best podcast you ever. You won't believe how good uh, the podcast is. You won't believe how great this po- it's an it's an amazing podcast. Let me tell you, I know lots of podcasts and this <laughs> podcast is terrific. Uh it, we're, we're going to drain the the podcasting swamp. Um <laughs> 
Uh, but really, uh, you know what I'm saying is yeah, that absolutely. even even with with podcasting, like this is something that is so accessible to us now that you know a couple of years ago, Justine and I wouldn't have been able to to put together our show, um, or or like we wouldn't have known how. But like in this age where you can be like, I, I kind of you know want to start a podcast, and then you look it up and you look how to do you look into how to do it, and you get the equipment, and then you can just get started because everything's plug and play now. Like if you're creative and you have something to say. You can. There's so many avenues for you to tell your story and to yeah. to to express yourself and to communicate and to connect with other people. You know, there's people uh, on the other end of the planet who who listen to us every week and who listen to you every week and who've now listened to both of us. You know, who are listening to us right now. Hello, from the other side of the planet. Yeah. Um, What's happening in Taiwan, you guys? Taiwan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What's happening in Australia? We have we have a person in Australia who listens to our podcast religiously. Really? That's it's awesome. fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think we should start off talking about video games because of how accessible that like medium is, particularly for our listeners, but also just... Well, I, you got your start in, in games, right? So I did, yeah. The very first game I ever uploaded was uh, Call of Duty Black Ops, the first one, where I <laughs> played a free-for-all and I recorded it live and I won because I was good at that game. And I'm not so good anymore. I, I feel like I'm slowly falling out of touch with video games and it kind of upsets me. So every year mm -hmm. I do like a purge where I just go and buy all the games that are out and... <laughs> largely end up never playing them but you know i've got a mean game collection so that's that's, that's the uh that's the problem with those steam summer sales you know what oh i'm saying oh my god yeah i have so many games like it's so uh, funny this game like, and this game and this game and yeah. never touch any of them yeah there's so many i downloaded the other day um that i i will never i couldn't even tell you i think i got cities skylines which I have no intention of ever playing. I just I saw it and I thought that I would buy it, but um, I'm still gonna play Age of mm -hmm. Empires 2, which is 16 years old. So that just tells you the type of person that I am, and the age that I'm <laughs> at, I think. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, video games. Like uh, I think 2016 was a very good year for video games because um, not the, not the greatest, but no. definitely not weak at all. It was there were some really great games that came out this year. Yeah, I think um, it was a lot better than the year before. Um, when the mm -hmm. con when the well no the next gen consoles launched 2014 wasn't it that's crazy yeah I think they're like three years old now oh my god so that explains why the games are getting better though because they're pushing the boundaries of the the capabilities of the consoles to come out mm -hmm. with better games. well and not to mention we uh, we had one new newish like a point five console launched this year uh, and you know we had another one announced that's gonna come next year so. Which ones are those? Uh, that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, so the what what is it called now? The the Neo? Is it still oh, called the Neo? Yeah, I I think P they changed PS4K. It. it was the <laughs> yeah, I think it is the Neo. PS4 2.5. Yeah, I'm not sure. Do they still call it the Neo? I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You, they know what we're talking about. That thing came out. Wait, wasn't it called the Morpheus? No, the Morpheus was the original uh, code name for the VR thing. The, VR headset, yeah, 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 the PSVR. So they like the Matrix, clearly, which is which is good because it's a good movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, the I, I'm really actually excited for the VR thing. I, I have a friend who has um, a huge fascination with all things uh, VR, and he's got like all the headsets that are currently available <laughs> and stuff like oh, that. Oh wow. Um, yeah, he says that they're really good, but that the games. 
Like he has some horror games on More experiences him. now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I don't know, it's fascinating. I'm interested to see where they go with it, but I'm not prepared to financially like commit to one at the moment. But um Oh yeah. That's not something to, that I could um happy to buy, you know, the latest uh franchise game that comes out or whatever, like every year I buy FIFA and then hate myself for it like two weeks later. Yep. And, yeah. <laughs> But what's our alternative? Pez? Come on. I have that too this year. I bought it. I heard it was really good. I've I've actually had trouble getting... I always think like, man, that Pez looks really good. And one of the things I like about it is, I like I think I said last time, my family's from Uruguay, and uh, FIFA doesn't have any of the Uruguayan teams in it. But because Pez has the license for Copa Libertadores in South America, yeah. um, they have the two big teams from Uruguay, Peñarol and Nacional. Um, so like I've always had this kind of like, mm, maybe I'll grab it, maybe I'll grab it. But then I grab the demo, and I know people say it's more realistic, but honestly, it feels more arcadey to me than FIFA does. Really? I think the exact opposite of that which is i know fifa is a lot more automated but there's just something in the in the pace of see i i the main criticism that i keep hearing about fifa is the the passing right like the passing is too slow it's like it doesn't feel authentic and there isn't enough uh, there isn't enough variation in the past and i think it's actually like gotten slightly worse for whatever reason recently um but uh i find pez is too fast like i watch it i sit down and i watch a real football game and it's it doesn't the ball doesn't move like that and the players don't move like that and i find like the automation in in fifa you know has its issues absolutely but for whatever reason um it does to me look slightly more natural if if it's not like just a little bit too slow the the ball doesn't move quick enough necessarily Uh, what difficulty do you play on when you play against the ai on fifa um so i play on semi-pro so that i don't rage quit and destroy my controller (laughs) okay i i can play and win on uh pro but i i don't know it's it i get frustrated if i'm not winning so um so i play on legendary and oh well good for you (laughs) that's the only reason i asked was for me to shut you down (laughs) Um, no you know what the thing is is that um i'm not a skiller yeah, I I play a passing game. Oh no, so do I. Totally, I I have like no flair about me whatsoever in the game. But um, one thing I will say is that when you go up to legendary difficulty, you see how um fast and like really unrealistically the AI will play, particularly the worst teams. And I made my YouTube channel around. Well, the the most successful time. I had as a YouTuber was when I was making career mode videos and that's like the only way I know how to build up subscribers and stuff. And the reason that I stopped is because I just found the game mode to be completely unbearable. Like you get past like two seasons and it's really nice and rewarding to see your team build up and it's really nice to see mm-hmm. the youngsters that you have develop their skills and all of that stuff. But you're still playing against, you know, the Bournemouth team that you just cannot beat because they are literally Barcelona and that is just yeah. there's no different styles or techniques or ethos or like everything in FIFA is just the same all the teams they end up with the same managers the whole time like it's just it doesn't feel authentic or realistic at all and i think that that was the one thing that FIFA had in its favor was that they have the licenses and like you know they're they're fully yeah. authentic premier league and it looks like the premier league but it doesn't feel like the premier league whereas if you play pro evo and you just play 
mm-hmm. like beat Brazil against you know whatever country, and it feels really good. Like I don't know, like Bayern Munich against Juventus, I think was on the demo. And yeah, it felt amazing to me, like intercepting passes when they're going through midfield with slide tackles, like stuff that on FIFA you should be able to do, but you just can't because the AI is developed in such a way that it's it's too perfect to play against. I know what you mean. I, I get the feeling with I'm just used to FIFA. That's my mm-hmm. thing. It's like a it's it's a comfortable chair that I like to sit in. Yeah, but. I, I feel like the the better game is a, some weird combination of the two. Oh, like for some sure. Sort of fra- like, if they could Frankenstein those two games together, then it would be amazing. If, if you held a gun to my head and you were like FIFA or Pez, I, I pick FIFA every time, I will say that. I just I feel mm-hmm. at the moment as though Pro Evolution has a better game engine, and the FIFA game engine is... I think it's really good, but what we sort of are sick of is the fact that it's kind of in the same iteration as it was four years ago, and they just make minuscule changes to it, and I think it's really Mm. due a big overhaul, and I thought when I saw Frostbite, uh, that's what they're called, isn't it? Frostbite? Frostbite, yeah. Yeah. I I think it's Frostbite 2. I had Frost World in my head for some reason, but um, yeah. It's a magical place. (laughs) Yeah. Really cold this time of year, though. Um, mm. when I saw them coming on board, I was like, oh, excellent. Finally, like this is going to really upgrade. No, it's the same. <laughs> no, it's, it's the same stuff. And it almost looks the same also. It does, like the, yeah. the light, the volumetric lighting was the big change. This yeah. year. That's what um, it is though. The, it's always superficial changes that get new people. The on physicality board. feels a little bit better, but it's still not quite there. Like it is, uh, it is a nicer feel to muscle your way off of, uh, off of other players now and big players do feel like an insurmountable kind of uh obstacle when you're playing with like a a little diminutive striker or something but um i don't know like there's a lot of room for improvement Mm -hmm. yeah and okay and i know this we're going off on a weird tangent because this episode's supposed to be about 2016 but i will say this about fifa is that i've been saying for years that what they really need to do for um because you know their their model is right now like the reason that the game has been so iterative and and stagnant is because they're making so much money off of ultimate team Uh uh-huh yeah but i do feel like there's a change that they could make and maybe they're working on it because so many people have had a idea um that would actually benefit ultimate team also and that's to create a new I, i know they can't use my club because i think my club is um a pez thing yeah that's right but some sort of uh, like a similar name would have to they'd have to come up with. And the idea is that you would you'd start a team from scratch and have to kind of not just work your way up, but also create your own uh, custom, uh, you know, shield for the team, um, create a uh, crest rather. Uh, and like the, the main thing, the thing that would actually um, help ultimate team, I think, is uh, the ability to create your own stadiums and have the stadiums be modular. So that you can change seats, you can change uh, sections, you can change roof, you can change uh, how many seats up it goes. Just some sort of like stadium building thing. And then what you do is you translate those uh, modular pieces into cards. Yeah, yeah. And you turn them into ultimate team cards and then like people would go nuts uh, for these cards to try and build like the most awesome badass stadium for their ultimate team team right it's just an extension and even think about like different grass surfaces 
yeah. you know, like different uh, surface patterns would be something that you'd have to get through the cards. And so like, I know I'm kind of just like preaching to the, to the demons of, of, of EA here to be yeah, like, yes, no, yeah. more money. But if it's, if that's what it takes to get kind of like modular stadium design in uh, our career, our manager career mode, then like, I'll go for it. Yeah, I think that'd be great, and I think an online career mode would just be phenomenal if that could be done. But sadly, yeah. I don't think they ever will. Cause it's just... But other than FIFA, there's been a lot of good stuff this year, and even stuff that I haven't personally played, but I can at least recognize the the quality of. Yeah. I mean, looking at the just like the game awards and and what kind of games won this year, um, Overwatch and like Blizzard with overwatch ran away with a lot of stuff because it's you know i first person shooter competitive play i used to be into it a lot more when i was in high school i guess um with with the original halo and everything but uh i'm not as much into it anymore but there's something about overwatch it's that blizzard charm that cartoony yeah it looks beautiful yeah, it's just it's they have really excellent design over at Blizzard, and that goes from uh, from visuals to to a gameplay level, and they're really able to to make stuff that's addictive. You know, they've proven it time and time again, and you think like, what? This is the time that Blizzard's gonna fail. This is the time that Blizzard is gonna screw up, and they never do. They just have like an excellent design ethos, and they have. Um, it, like really inspired uh, decisions that that go into their to their games where it it shouldn't work but for whatever reason it works and people eat it up and they can't stop and it's not just because it's Blizzard you know they, there's something in there there's some they have something they've got the magic sauce L yeah they've got the magic sauce. I love when a studio like that is in their prime or when any anyone creating like sort of I hate terms like this but like artistic output. Like I, I love it when they've found the winning formula, and you know that you can look forward to them delivering every single time. Like look at uh, look at Crystal Dynamic uh, with Tomb Raider. Look at um, yeah. which I mean didn't come out this year, but the PS4 version came out this year, so we can talk about it. Yeah, that's right, and, and it 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 sold a lot this year too. It's made it into like the top fifty selling games of the year and stuff like that. So yeah, which actually makes it kind of sad that they didn't launch simultaneously. Like Crystal Dynamics got to figure out their shit with Microsoft because that timed exclusive BS I think cost them a lot of sales. I don't. Yeah, I hate all of that stuff. Like it, it's been such a pain. You're going to be exclusive, be exclusive. But if you're not going to be exclusive, this timed exclusive thing, I think, is only hurting developers. Yeah, I can't stand it. It's just, I don't know. I I, I don't like that kind of thing at all. Like, I, I feel like in the past, Call of Duty games have really suffered on PlayStation because of their exclusivity with Microsoft and Xbox. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it, it's pretty obvious that developers put more effort into developing it for the Xbox. It, like, especially with Call of Duty anyway. That's one thing I do know. But, um... It just it's built on it's built for the Xbox and then ported to, yeah. to PS4. Yeah, and so you're left with this Which crazy, I mean like like piece of junk. That was always the argument with PS3 versus PS4. Like I used to work at an EB Games back in the day and uh when people were between those two consoles it was kind of like, well, are you playing exclusives and if you're playing exclusives and which ones are the one that call to you, get that console. But if you're playing cross-platform games in the Xbox 360 PS3 era, they actually usually looked better on the Xbox 360 because they were built on the 360 because the stupid 
uh, processor in the PS4 was a bitch to make stuff for. Yeah. And so people just ported their stuff over. So it was built on PC for, uh, for 360 because they had the same architecture and then it was ported and the ports were always slightly weaker. So the contrast was off and, and the graphics were comparable. And, you know, but then you had stuff like Heavy Rain, which blew anything on uh, the 360 out of the water in terms of graphics, and right? The so. Last of Us too, like games like that. Well, and there you go, The Last of Us. But Naughty Dog, speaking of 2016, Naughty Dog, shout out to Naughty Dog. <laughs> Holy crap. How do they do it? They, 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 talking about studios in their prime with the magic sauce, right? Like, they had yeah. just knocked it out of the park with Last of Us. Now, granted, I think Last of Us is a stronger game than Uncharted 4, but Uncharted 4 is just holy shit like how can you not look at that game and think there were so many moments where i genuinely paused in that game to just kind of take it in for like 10 minutes one of my friends took a picture on his phone of his tv while he was playing uncharted 4 and he I did the same thing he did, no but but this guy put out a snapchat and said this is a good view to wake up to and everyone he knows is like oh man where are you like <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, unbelievable. That's how good it looks. Like people think that you are actually there when you take a picture of it on your TV. <laughs> and you it's know? not just the graphics; it's the storytelling. It's the the level of like facial animation that they've been able to achieve, and the emotion that they're able to convey, the the performances that they're able to get out of their actors. Because you can have excellent actors, voice actors, whatever kind of actor you you're talking about, mm -hmm. but if the writing and the direction isn't there then you're not going to get a good performance. It doesn't matter how good they are, yeah. right? Like, th how many actors win an Oscar and the next year are in garbage? You know, and it and it's bad, and their performance is bad because the directing isn't good and because the writing isn't there, and Naughty Dog consistently nails that stuff. Yeah, Uncharted so 4 is just, like, unparalleled awesomeness. You know, like... People I know who aren't into video games have seen gameplay footage from Uncharted 4 and, and been totally enthralled in it and be like, that looks awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's their, their old um, selling point for the original Uncharted is like, oh, it looks like a movie. It's like you're playing a movie. But like, I, you feel so engaged in what they're doing and they constantly surprise you. Years and years and years after the original, they're consistently and constantly surprising us with little details and, and clever puzzles and just brilliant beautiful design like i i could go on but yeah. naughty dog is knocking out of the park last of us 2 announced at uh i was it playstation experience yeah it was announced um the day after uh me and one of my friends said how much we missed the last of us on a podcast and then the day after that podcast went up they were like all right this Elden Hero guy, he's on to something. Let's do another one. So. <laughs> Let's just quickly throw together a trailer yeah. in a few hours. <laughs> that's, that's, um, yeah, that's what happened, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I, I love them. And um, uh, CD Projekt Red. Who like, how, how, see, uh, the, make the, the Witcher. Oh, right, okay. I never played. Like, how the hell do you win RPG of the Year? with an expansion <laughs> that's how good they are ladies and gentlemen they won rpg of the year with an expansion what? now granted it wasn't it, it's not a downloadable con it like it i i the term downloadable content has kind of usurped uh expansion but this is like a true-to-life expansion it is hours and hours of gameplay it's basically like a new game in the witcher 3 universe yeah and it's Holy crap! That that I can't wait for uh, for Cyberpunk to come out because that team is just 
I, I, I don't even know how they do what they do in the time that they do it. It, the level of detail in that game, the, how, how densely populated the map was in terms of content. Like it was actually, uh, off-putting at first, how much to do in that game there was. But once you got into it, oh man, what a rich world. Holy crap. Yeah, so there's a game that I'm playing right now that I think I'd put in my top five uh, games of 2016, and that's Final Fantasy 15. That really? I, Liking it? I really, really like it, yeah. I think it's fantastic. Um, I was a huge fan of 7 and 8. I think Final Fantasy 8 is, is like one of my favorite games of all time. I like it more than 7. I know I'm in the minority when I say that, but I think... I think it's... Uh, is it 4 that a lot of people are into as well? Or uh, is it 4 or 5? Yeah, 4 is definitely, of the first few, like 4 is the most um, loved one, as far as I know. Um, well, it's I, the one with the Magitek armor, right? Like, oh, I, I don't remember. Don't know. I, I was never like hugely into them until I like. I think I rented Final Fantasy VII when I was like eight or younger, even, um, because that's what we used to do when I was younger. For anyone listening, because you're all like sixteen, we used to have to go and rent videos <laughs> on we or rent video games and videos too on weekends, and uh, that was what we did for fun. But um. Yeah, I, I rented seven. I really liked it, and then I asked for eight for my birthday, and my granddad got it for me. And it's one of my favorite games. And like, I love seven, and I think seven is like objectively a better game. But I think eight just had the cinematics right. It had the like the the, the sort of even just the intro to that. You can just go on YouTube and type in Final Fantasy eight intro and just watch it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's such a good opening scene, and it really sells the world to you without actually telling you anything about it and it's it's strangely awesome and i love i love just the actual fantasy element of it and the fact that they create these crazy worlds that are this mix of like modern primitive stuff but also hugely advanced like utopian sci-fi stuff and i think that that is a great right. mix um, but yeah, so Final Fantasy X was the last one that I played because I'd never heard anything good about any of the ones since. Did then. you like X? Yeah, I really liked X. I thought X was absolutely awesome. Yeah, X gets mixed reviews from people. I I kind of enjoyed X. That was the last Final Fantasy game that I was deeply involved with. I uh bought thirteen because somebody had recommended it to me, and let me tell you, that person is now what dead. a piece of crap, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. horrible game. Horrible game, terrible design choices, like a 30-hour tutorial before you get into the actual game world. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's like tough. Like, uh, I, yeah. But um, it, that was, <laughs> I went to. I bought it from a place that didn't have a uh, like a return policy on open games, and I complained so hard that the manager actually gave me my money back because <laughs> it was recommended to me by an employee, and uh, I kind of reamed them out for it. Wow. Excellent. Because yeah. um, it turns out that they hadn't played it and they just were blindly recommending games to people. Oh, so. that son of a bitch. Yeah. The... But I mean, I, I've been hearing good stuff about this new one. I haven't played it. I've seen a lot of gameplay footage from it. I have, uh, just even from watching gameplay footage of it, I can tell you two things. I like the dynamic between the main characters, it's but awesome. I hate the voice acting. Oh, really? I don't mind it. I didn't like it at first. Like, it struck me as very odd and out of place. But mm -hmm. it's definitely gotten to a stage where it's kind of endear or charming, I guess, now. Like, I, I quite enjoy it now. I think 
when you play it long enough and you see how the characters act in accordance with their voice, it kind of makes sense that they would talk like that, which is... I, d- I do feel it's it's almost like a parody of itself, though. Like, I'd, I'd be interested to see, just comparatively, how the... I haven't looked it up. I know it's out there. Um, I just have been lazy about it. But the uh, Japanese, um, or like the original audio, and just comparing the performances... Because I feel like the English voice acting, it happens a lot in anime, and I don't watch anime nearly as much as I did before, which is to say that I don't really watch it at all now, mm-hmm. um, except for like really select stuff. But it just, like, English dubs tend to have this really overacting quality to them that makes them seem like anime is kind of dumb. I <laughs> like, think that's I intentional, though. Like but I, it doesn't exist necessarily in the original uh, in the original voiceover, right? Like in the Japanese, it's not always there. No, but the context of each thing in its respective culture is different too. Like That's true. In Japan, it's it's like serious, whereas over here, it's like look how crazy Japan is. Let's have some of that as long. But as... I want the serious. Yeah, no, me too. And I think, like, out of the games that do that, I think Metal Gear Solid does the best job of keeping it serious and not making it ridiculous at all. Like, yeah, it's very well. That's just Kojima, right? Like, he's he's a god. Yeah, like, yeah, he's the man. But I, I think, yeah, I think it, it's supposed to be like that. Like, Final Fantasy has always been like that. Like. The... The reactions that characters have to things has always been very odd. Like in, it's very over the top. Yeah, like I remember in Final Fantasy VIII, like Squall was supposed to be this like angsty, brooding type guy who learns how to feel emotions and come come into his own and all that stuff. And like there are some tantrums that he throws in that game that are just so outrageous and over the top. Like it doesn't right. like I don't know. Yeah, I feel like just the context has to change based on who it's being sold to and I think it's intentional and I think it's done like that to facilitate that sort of culture change. So I like it it doesn't really bother me. I I've definitely um, like it did seem odd at first, but it's definitely like mm. part of the experience. It's, for me it's now. kind of grown on you. Yeah, I yeah, actually... I, I recognize that it's nitpicky on my part. Um, but I, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I kind of, I think it's that the parts of Final Fantasy that resonate with me are the more serious parts. Yeah. And the other parts necessarily don't, and that's the reason I haven't picked up. That's the reason that Final Fantasy thirteen like really didn't, other than all of the other problems with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The mark but we were um just talking briefly about uh kojima and like how can you talk about kojima without mentioning that uh death stranding was announced this year yeah i'm so excited like i i don't even know anything about it other than that it's like a horror type game and it's got norman reedus in it and that kojima is behind it and and that's all i really need to know general like... del toro Oh, yeah, and that's Mads, right. And Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, Kojima is like a massive, like, he, he's a self-described uh, wimp. Like a he's, cinephile. Oh, he's a cinephile also. Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, without a doubt. I, I, think I have him on Twitter, and he uh, he constantly is posting about all the movies that he's watching. I'm like, when do you work, man? He's, yeah, he says his body is 70% movies or something like that. Something like that, yeah. It says in his Twitter bio, but... um. He he has said in the past that he doesn't like horror games because he's too afraid. Like he's a massive, massive wimp, is what he says. So um, it's almost insulting what they're doing with Metal Gear. Then yeah, I know. But I I think that's the main reason he got uh 
Del Toro in this, <laughs> so that it, like he doesn't have to do all the scary stuff himself. Like he's going to leave right. it to one of the masters in that in that uh, area. But I'm really excited for that game without knowing anything about it, and that's now. Do you do you feel they announced it too soon though? Um, I worry because they announced that game's. That... I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. That game is not coming out until like earliest late 2019. Like I'm thinking third quarter 2019. Conservatively, probably 2020, 2021. Like the Kojima historically takes a ridiculous amount of time to make video games. Yeah, and true. he only just picked an engine. To run the game on i can hear the hearts breaking <laughs> I, it sucks it sucks i want it now but you know when we get it it's going to be fantastic I, it's just i i have this issue with games being announced too early like i i wish almost that everything would do what bethesda did with fallout where it's like yeah here's this game that everybody's been expecting oh and by the way it's out in two months or four months or whatever it was like it was ridiculous it's the shortest announcement to release i've ever seen it's uh it's a symptom of what's happening elsewhere in pop culture and absolutely it, it really irks me too but i think it's the way that studios get a hold of you well in advance and so that they can rack up the pre-orders and pre-sales and things like that because we've seen what the hype train does though because you know what else came out this year was no. mighty nine oh i thought you were going to start talking about no man's sky and uh i just I'm so upset with the backlash that game received. Like I feel yeah. like I created the game. <laughs> so. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for No Man's Sky. Yeah, how, I, 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 I just, I don't get what people were expecting. Like, I don't know. They always talk about lying and like, oh, he's a liar and and all this stuff. Like, all right, you can't land on asteroids. Jesus Christ, would you even want to do that anyway? <laughs> Well, people were upset about the they, the multiplayer aspect yeah. of it as well. It isn't there, and um, glitches, and the planets that they showed uh, weren't necessarily representative of what was actually in the game. That's true, but I was under the impression that you would never be able to meet people online anyway. Like, I think he did a very good job of explaining that. I know he kind of went to and fro a lot, but in the interviews where he supposedly lied... Like he well, but that's that's my like covered it with. Well, you might be able to, or you know what I mean. Like yeah, I I like Sean Murray. I think uh, is very undeserving of the amount of negative of the, the the amount of vitriol. Like let, let's not you know mince words here. Like people hate his guts for this game for some reason. That's the gaming and, community. There's something so toxic about it. Like I don't know. A lot of parts true. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate because it's, it's really not his fault. Like, Sony shit the bed with this game. Yeah. Sony are the ones who uh, bigged up this game as like this massive experience. They're the ones who pushed it out and, and took an indie game and flaunted it in front of the world as if it was like a giant triple A masterpiece mm -hmm. when it was really, you know, from the beginning, from its inception, kind of like a tech demo of like what this technology can do, right? It's yeah. like the first foray into this kind of massive, uh, um, um, well, what's it called? Uh, procedural gener procedurally generated universe idea. You know, it's like, look at what this can do. Uh, and isn't this amazing? And what the sense of discovery and everything. Now, there's, there's definitely issues with the game and there's gameplay issues with the game beyond the, the idea of like lying. You know, like yeah. there's, there's a lack of motivation after a certain point to continue. And like the, the things that are supposed to grab you in the game don't 
necessarily like hook you the way that they should. They like almost do, but the hook breaks free at the last moment. You yeah, know? completely agree. Um, but it's not a horrible game like a lot of people say it is. I think a lot of people just jump on the hate bandwagon, you know. And like, I I feel really bad for Sean Murray because he's trying really hard and he's received so many death threats. Like death threats. It's a video game, guys. It's supposed to be fun. You know, and that's the other thing. No Man's Sky should not have been full a full-priced game. Yeah. If it had come out with, like, the same price point as Ratchet & Clank, for example, uh, you know, I think that would have been fine. If people were spending $40 American or, or $30 American for a, for, for a game um of, of No Man's Sky's quality and as, and it being touted as more of an indie game than a, than a giant, you know, sprawling AAA, you know, crazy, sci-fi land uh to play around in then i don't know that it would have received the same backlash and the other thing was that sony didn't have uh enough control over the marketing machine you know like they they put him out there and they didn't tell him what to say yeah and it, he, that's, that's been... like he's just a nice guy who had no media training whatsoever and you can like even feel how uncomfortable he is in those interviews and absolutely stuff. yeah and it, it's just like if you think about that and you like just have it in your heart to personify Sean Murray a little bit and stop thinking of him as some kind of scum lord demon. Yeah. It's so unfortunate that he... You... Like, I, I feel like in certain interviews he was, like, almost coerced into saying things, like, yep. about the game. Well, and that's what the media's job is, right? Like, yeah. they poke and prod like and you can't get mad at them either because that's literally their job we mm-hmm. go to them for that information right yeah. and what they can poke and prod out but when you grab a developer who doesn't have that sort of media training or savvy and you know they're getting little things out of him that maybe he's like ex- genuinely was excited about and wanted to put in the game but weren't quite ready yet and then didn't work yeah so you know? that's what i think the main issue is was just like the amount of times he said things like in the current version you can or we plan on doing this but yeah. people just took that as gospel and like a he mm-hmm. shouldn't have said that but i i still don't think that that's his fault i think i think that's just that sort of childlike ignorance and stuff um right. but like you i mean you wouldn't catch david vonderhaar saying a thing like that so it just goes yeah. to show you like why people like that are in those kinds of roles for the big companies like you know community managers and things like that that's why they exist is so that things like this don't happen with games but no man's sky was made by what like 12 people i think so something yeah. like that yeah it's I an mean, extremely small team yeah i just it's an amazing like it's such a huge achievement and it's not being recognized as one because people are just like yeah it's horrible just constantly shitting on it and 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 hating it like the hate wagon rolled on pretty hard for this one yeah. and uh, i don't know if you listen to daniel dwyer anymore daniel dwyer used to work at GameSpot. he has his own uh, he streams now and he any podcasts um he's kind of splintered off and done his own thing i think he's on patreon um, oh, right, okay. I know who he but, is, but I've I've never checked out his podcast. Really excellent interviewer. He's actually kind of friends with Sean Murray, and he's kind of alluded to the idea that uh, when stuff calms down and and he's not looking to be assassinated anymore, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, that he wants to have a, a sit down and have like a proper interview about what happened with No Man's Sky with Sean Murray, and just have it as like candid and and uh, respectful as possible from um from an interview perspective and he kind of has the ability to do that now because he's not affiliated with a giant uh company anymore yeah so was it was Danny O'Dwyer was GameSpot did he go to Game Informer after I don't remember yeah I honestly don't know well he's solo now so go check out Danny O'Dwyer he's awesome shout out to him (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, there's been so many good things this year also, though. Like, Doom came out. Again, not huge on the on the first-person shooters, but I got my hands on Doom, and that game is just metal. It's, yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> it's... I, I didn't play the, the latest one, but I read from... A lot of people who I really respect the opinion of that it is like phenomenal, like one of the best mm-hmm. games that they've played in years and stuff. And from what I understand it is like if you were around in that era and you still consider yourself to be a gamer, this is going to be your favorite game ever, basically. Yep. So, um, it, it looks fantastic. Uh, Dishonored 2, also fantastic game design. Just like some of the stuff that you can do in, in the Dishonored games is just like, like it hasn't been done in that way in other games and that level of of creativity now when people are going on about like oh no original ideas and it's like okay maybe it's not an original idea but the way that they're going about doing it and the way that they're letting you mess around with the game world is freaking awesome like there's a level of play in those games where and and discovery where you're open to kind of interpret abilities and powers and the developers are open about the uh, the fact that you know they've seen people uh, do things in the game that and combine certain abilities that they hadn't even thought of. Really? Right? Yeah, and that's it, so cool when that happens. That kind of like uh, emergent uh, gameplay is unbelievable. Like I, I love it when that stuff can happen in games. And um, yeah, they 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 just, Bethesda's consistently knocking out of the park. I have really high hopes for um, Prey, uh, the the Prey reboot that they're doing. That looks ridiculous it's you can become a coffee mug <laughs> yeah i don't know did you see that no i didn't so there's like an ability and so um i think that one of the aliens in the game has the ability to transform into any object it's like a shape changer nice. um so it like anything in the game could potentially be trying to kill you um but in part of the game uh, i'm not sure how the game mechanics work for it but you can become you can take that power and so like to get through there's kind of like a glass barrier and like a little um like i guess like like you'd you'd like you'd have at like a i don't know like at a at a at the tube or or something to pass money under right um mm-hmm. or or to pass credentials under uh security and there's like a coffee mug in there and he becomes the coffee mug and kind of like rolls through it <laughs> and then becomes the person again and it's just like what the hell like th- these are things that we people go on that like next gen doesn't look as next gen as the jump between um you know like ps2 to ps3 or or xbox to xbox 360 but it's not necessarily everything it's not all about the graphics guys like there's there's things that can be done yeah I now that agree. would not have been possible in in those games whether it's like having a a ridiculous amount of npcs on the screen at the same time uh or just like the the lighting rendering that you know makes everything look better even though the graphics aren't necessarily that much better like there's so many things that people can do now it's amazing that's what one we should probably wrap up talking about games but we could probably talk about games more. yeah (laughs) but what i wanted to say was you said earlier that it's been really hard for people to make a good movie out of a video game because video games do things that can kind of only exist in video games. And that's Absolutely. like, that's just the magic of video games to me. It's you that, doing it. You're yeah, doing it. And you're, but you're also teleported into this other dimension where you like, mm-hmm. remember, remember the ads for PlayStation two. And it was like, PlayStation two, the third place. 
And it's like, yeah. it, it literally is just another place that you got. Like, the Final Fantasy and Metal Gear Solid are two games that genuinely have... Metal Gear Solid 2 in particular, like, I feel ha- like has had a genuine impact on my life to the degree that, like, a parent would or, like, somebody very important <laughs> I was to raised by Snake. I was definitely raised in some way by the words of Solid Snake in the outro of that game. And it's just, I don't know, it just games. Pity that of, bust of that game you play as Raiden. I really like him. He's the man. I like Raiden. He's all right. <laughs> I, I hate. He's a little way... bit whiny, but yeah, but but he's supposed to be you, and I think it's just the most meta thing anyone has mm. ever done in a game. Like I also it's... like what they did with him after. <laughs> I I like that too, but I I also sort of wish that they didn't do it because in a way they gave the anti Raiden people what they wanted, and I don't want yeah, them I to get so. what they wanted. <laughs> I want them to shut up and play the game. They're being the whiny ones. That's the like absolute irony of it all as well. But um. Mm. Yeah, the the Metal Gear games and the Final Fantasy games and and like various other games too just really like left an imprint on me that can't really be done to the same degree by movies even though movies are absolutely a much better art form. Like I don't really think that games I I do consider them to be art but I don't consider them to be uh culturally significant in the same way because I don't think that they sort of penetrate the bubble like the same way that movies can or books right. can. But I think they're we're going in that direction and certainly with yeah, um, I think so the ideas of narrative like more mainstream with stuff like Uncharted but then with indie developers like uh, games like Inside um, has a kind of power to it that you don't necessarily find in a lot of other games. Yeah and um, life is strange That Dragon too. Cancer um, games like that that have in fact did you ever play Firewatch? I didn't play it. I've been wanting to grab it, but I, I didn't. I didn't get to play it. No. I did. I did a let's play of it on my channel. You can check it out there. Be sure to like, rate, subscribe. Mm-hmm. And comment. <laughs> um, oh, I know, will. It's it's um that game as well was phenomenal. I thought, and it was so basic and so simple, and in a way. But it's the narrative that's not. That's the thing that's happening right now, and it, I know a lot of people call them walking simulators as a as a kind of derogatory yeah, name but for it them. Was but so much more than that. Like it's you could be doing gone anything. home. Are yeah, you kidding me? I have gone, gone home. home. I played the shit out of that. I yeah. played it so many times over and over again. I got I uh, got all of the achievements in it. I, you know, it was that, that story, the way that it's told. That's something that can only be done in video games. You couldn't tell that story in any other medium. Yeah. Going back to what we we're talking about before, and agree. and same with Firewatch. Like Firewatch doesn't work in any other medium. It doesn't work. It, it might work as a book, but no, I don't it wouldn't think be the it same. It's gotta have the like between yeah, the characters, it's so right? Good, like it's so enticing in some way. I don't know. You need the performance for that. That's like the the part of it that bleeds over from from film and TV, yeah. right? Is is that and like your own agency in the game to kind of ignore something exactly. that's happening. You know, like there are parts of that game that don't happen unless you yes, engage with completely. them. That's what you want. Exploration, freedom, like uh, stuff like that that's is a, is uh, unique do you know to video game games. Rank, or game ranks the YouTube channel. It's uh, game. I've heard it. I've probably seen something. They have like three million it. subscribers, so I'm sure that they've popped up like in your. Uh, recommended or whatever but i i check them out a lot and um one of the guys on there was saying about how he genuinely believed that warcraft and assassin's creed would lead to a new era of movies 
And I was like, you poor fool. <laughs> like, you don't understand how far gaming has Yeah, gone. a new era where people stop trying to yeah, make that video would game be the, that would be the ideal outcome, I think. But it's so, like, that's what the thing is, like, you know the whole Gamergate thing where people were like, it's about ethics and games journalism. It's like, when I hear, like, that's games journalism, and that's what they, like, you think that the games journalism has always been a sewer. It's not where you can, like, I don't know, it's not... It's just such a weird sort of thing, the way they're like, yeah, no, we genuinely believe mm-hmm. that video games are going to be the next thing that movie directors do. And it's like, no, that's not what's going to happen. Like, I can't believe that a studio put so much money into Warcraft. And, uh, like, yeah. I don't know, it just it, it bombed so hard. Like, they made their money back, but there's no way they made all the money back on all the promo that they did and everything. And it's... People who have no idea what the source material is, putting their 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 kind of uh, their fingers uh, in the yeah. pie, it, you know what I mean? Like the there was people who were involved with Warcraft who had who were fans who were who cared about that, and then the studio comes in and and it changes things because it doesn't understand. It's like we're gonna take this thing that's a sensation and you're gonna make it because you know what you're doing. Okay, so the person goes to make it, and they're like, no, no, you can't do that, because that doesn't happen in movies. And it's like, well, that's the thing that all these people who love this thing are are here for. And if you take that away, they will not yeah. enjoy this. And the studio's like, no, 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 we know what we're doing. We're a bunch of old, rich white men, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> who've never touched a video game in their entire lives and, and barely seen any movies. Like, it, it, And then uh, with Assassin's Creed, like, I, I like Michael Fassbender. He's an excellent actor. Some questionable things about his personal life that I don't necessarily want to get into. But uh, as an actor, like very, very, very good. The director just came off uh, doing um, uh, what was it? Macbeth with him and the the female lead. I'm forgetting her name uh, at the moment. Uh, and all three of the Jeremy Irons in Assassin's Creed. And on top of that, Assassin's Creed had the it had the perfect scenario. Right? They were making a game in the Assassin's Creed universe that wasn't based on the story of the games. They're, sorry, they were making a film in the Assassin's Creed universe that wasn't based yeah. on the story of the games. There's, there's a lot you, you know? can do with like that. They, they, had, they had so much they could do with that. Michael Fassbender has never played an Assassin's Creed game. After he got the rights to do the game, he played like, what, like five minutes of Assassin's Creed 1 to get an idea of like the fluidity of movement, whatever BS he fed the interviewers in the in in the in the media roundup, like come on, where where are the and 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 Ubisoft was okay with this when especially after what happened with Prince of Persia. <laughs> Forgot but about that I haven't that seen movie. Assassin's Creed yet. <laughs> I haven't seen Assassin's Creed yet, but two things like and people aren't going to complain about it as much because uh, he's Caucasian, but Michael Fassbender is mm-hmm. not Spanish. Okay. It's it's still a problem, especially because Spain has a lot of uh, of uh, mixing in terms of genetics with like more Moorish people and uh, Middle Eastern people and and influence. Like the the man is not Spanish, yeah. okay. And I I'm not saying it's whitewashing or anything, but he hasn't played the game. He doesn't know what the source material is. I don't think he was necessarily the right actor for life. If it had been in Scotland, if it had been Assassin's Creed Scotland and it wasn't about running in buildings, but it was in the same universe and it's like, okay, so in the games, it's about free running and all of this stuff. But in the cinematic universe, it's going to be exploring all the things that we can't do in video games, but they work better in film. Yeah, no, they didn't do that because that would make sense. So like, yeah, 
I see completely him. what you're saying about like the fact that he like it's not only that he hasn't even attempted to understand the source material, but as he is a Irish German guy, like he has no connection hmm. with the story either. So there's really nothing that ties him to the. There's nothing that makes sense about him being an Assassin's Creed, other than that he's a big name. And he, he could have been. Know. Anywhere in in uh, in the United Kingdom, he could have been in in Ireland. He could have been in Scotland. He could have been in 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 Germany. He could have been anywhere in like northern northeastern Europe, or sorry, northwestern Europe. Got my directions messed up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like he could have been anywhere there, and it would have been fine. He could have been in Wales. They could have been all over the place there, and it would have been fine. You know. Uh, it, Especially since now I'm kind of starting to get interested in like what's happening with assassins who aren't necessarily in big cities, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of like a part of the story that hasn't been explored. But like, why aren't they doing that in 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 the film? Like, I don't know. Let's do it in Spain. Yeah, I, the Spanish Inquisition. It wouldn't be the right. only thing. It wouldn't be the only time that the studios blew a huge budget blockbuster this year, but also. And this is a great segue. It wouldn't be the only time that Jeremy Irons put his name on it either, because Batman <laughs> versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, hot garbage, was Dawn a of hot pile garbage. of garbage, um, on fire. Oh my god, what a movie! So um, I will say though that it isn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it would be. It's not unwatchable. Yeah, yeah, completely. But nearly. If, if anyone like, if if you're confused as to why people think it's bad or whatever, it, it it's because re- like a lot of people like if you're a fan of Batman and Superman, I can see why you would like it. But I I think just it, it's like the greatest example of bad screenwriting that I've mm. probably ever seen. Like in a huge movie that everyone's seen, if you know what I mean. Like a, there are obviously better yeah. examples out there, but this movie the sound design yeah oh my god is atrocious yeah there are scenes um there's the one that sticks out to me like a sore thumb is uh of course like the wonder woman theme crashing in with no context like if we had had the wonder woman movie first and then uh you know she showed up in the in the batman versus superman and that theme came on it would have probably played a lot better because she would have earned it by then right but there's no con it's like they were trying to make it a thing but it wasn't a thing yet yeah you know what i mean it was what like out of nowhere and the other one that i remember is batman um standing on the top of the crane um when he's like waiting for the batmobile in like the shipping yard i forget what was happening there uh i only watched it the once (laughs) <laughs> and and uh it's like the music is like normal and everything and then he's like standing on the on the top of the crane and like the each character has their own theme and whenever on the screen that theme plays really loud and annoyingly uh and so he's just standing on the top of the crane and there's the epic batman music going i forget what it sounded like but it was like a dun 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 and he's just standing on a crane not doing anything and this <laughs> yeah. epic music is playing in the background and i'm like who edited this nothing is happening this is comically bad you know, like there's how, oh, especially after Christopher Nolan's movies. I know the but, coup de gras. Like even when he's standing on top of that crane, that's when the truck rolls in and it has the tracker that he put on it, and like yeah. the tracker is on the back of the truck and it's going. Doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. Don't make your tracker have noise on it. 
Oh, and it's like mirroring the 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 music. What is that supposed? That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like that's terrible. Like I'm sure the audience would have understood that it's a tracking device. Like I really don't think it was necessary to have the beeping there. I, that was just terrible in itself. But I mean, I think that's me being nitpickety. Like maybe they did just do it to explain to the audience or whatever. There are so many other things in the movie that were terrible. They do play to the to the lowest common denominator. But there's things in the movie that don't make sense. Yes, the dream like scene, the that um the beginning, the, the opening, the opening, right? Yeah. So with flying Bruce yeah, Wayne, <laughs> I did not like that and i was totally into it up to that point too yeah um but the the flash that when the flash arrives in a dream thing and mm-hmm. tells him that lois is i didn't know team. that was the flash oh yeah and uh, yeah no i don't think that i no i did because i knew it was the guy um ezra whatever his name is but the so he's i had no context for it he he has arrived in bruce wayne's dream and tells him yep. that Lois is the key, right? That's the thing that happens. So yep. Bruce Wayne wakes up and is like, oh, Lois is the key. He does nothing with that information. What is she the key oh. to? It's not referenced ever again. He doesn't do anything with her. Nothing happens with her. She actually like was shafted in that movie. She had nothing to do yeah. for the whole thing. And like, oh, man, it's like all she did was throw the the what do you call spear it? yeah the uh, kryptonite spear into a lake and then uh, not a lake but into into like a puddle and then pick it back up again and the world's deepest puddle yeah the world's deepest puddle. and like she is the key to what oh it was so right bad. is that set up for the next movie is that set up for event or for avengers for justice league couldn't tell uh you. is is that gonna become the thing in the next movie and they're gonna be like ah that tidbit that uh bear is it barry is the the flash in this one uh, or is that the, is he is that because there's multiple flashes right like i couldn't tell you whatever is, is that the the key that the the flash left is that the clue is it was it for the next film that's a bad decision yeah this movie should not have been first why was it first and also just the fact that they are both like both characters are batman in it like Superman, <laughs> like at, at no point does Superman even say what's on his mind. Martha. Or, yeah. Oh my God, that was Martha. disgraceful. That was who? No, I. I, I what did you say? I said Martha. Martha's my mom's name too. <laughs> Let's be friends. Terrible. Absolutely Jesus. terrible. Like Batman is so intent on ruining this guy and killing him, but then he finds out his mom is the same first name as him, and the setup to it was awful too. Because who calls out their mom's first? No, it just—it was a bad movie. There were too many things wrong with it. Um, and if you saw that movie and thought, "Well, 2016 is terrible," what about uh, Captain America: Civil War? Did you see that? I did. What did you I think did. of that? Oh, people are gonna not like me for this. Oh no, I'm I'm not huge on it. Really, I'm I'm all right with it. It's a it's a good movie. It's 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 a fun popcorn summer blockbuster. I enjoyed it while I watched it. Spider Man was awesome. I yeah. was left very excited for the Spider Man film. Um, all of the actors are fantastic. Their chemistry is excellent. I didn't have any complaints as far as the story goes um, about like the the kind of the the revenge story and and the like I thought like Black Panther was also like a fantastic part of that film and that yeah. whole storyline was excellent. Um, 
I don't understand why this was a Captain America film specifically because it wasn't really that much about Captain America. I think one of my issues with the film was that it wasn't about any of them. It wasn't an Avengers movie per se, but it also didn't feel like a Captain America movie. We had two Captain America movies before this Mm -hmm. and they set a tone and they set expectations for you know like what is the because they're all slightly different you know like thor is a lot more fantasy uh you know the iron man films have their own thing going with the the, like rich millionaire like an almost kind of batman if batman was like hilariously out of control uh comic relief kind of um self-deprecating character uh who's also at the same time simultaneously uh, full of themselves yeah if you mean uh, the sarcastic intelligent jerk yeah. type character that's come to like every movie in the last Ex- five years exactly and then you know like they all have their kind of feel to them and this didn't feel like a captain america movie to me um i don't think that there was enough done with bucky and captain america and captain america 2 winter soldier to have people care enough about him as a character certainly by the end of the movie you care about him more but like i felt like there was more need from that it relies heavily on the uh, events of avengers 2 which was the weaker of the two avenger movies um again i'm not saying it's bad i i i enjoyed watching it but Why do you a hate lot of captain people... america so much <laughs> <laughs> a lot i actually like captain america yeah, um I, I like Captain America because he is kind of like a, a vehicle for, you know, criticism and and um, and like a kind of a nice analysis of like what the United States is and yeah. like some of the problems with the United States. It's a very clever way of like, let's make this character called Captain America. And it's like our way of kind of like questioning certain things lightly and kind of like looking at the problems that we have and like um, what are the problems with America and 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 have him have this internal conflict of what America was when he joined the army and, and was part of the experiments and then like what it's become in the time that's elapsed since. Yeah. You know, I, I think they do a Icebox. fantastic job of that. Like mm-hmm. to, to counter it with, uh, with the Dawn of justice movie, like Bruce Wayne is, is this like a right wing nut who, um, yep. he quotes like right wing politicians and stuff. And, and he's quite clearly, supposed you to think be- he voted for Trump? <laughs> Oh, Bruce I know Wayne, he I mean, did. Not to, not to. Um, I know that Ben Affleck certainly didn't. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, it just it, it like it's so it's just Zack Snyder has no concept of imagery or subtlety or like he just doesn't get that at all. He is. No I think he clue. did, and he's been like slowly losing it. Oh, I don't I, know. Just, I'm, I'm even looking back at like at Watchmen. The one thing you can say about Watchmen, even if you didn't enjoy the movie itself, was that visually, yes, it was like ripped out of the pages of the comic book. Yeah, Every yeah. single scene of it was a panel from the comic book. Like it was just really well done. And the changes they made to the ending, like I'm sorry, giant squids are dumb. Like well, that's a dumb way to end the comic. Like give me a break. I think the ending for the movie worked better for the movie. I think so too. But they originally had planned um, a Terry Gilliam Watchmen movie where mm. you, you should mm. look up what his ending would have been because it's unbelievably amazing. Kind of like the Jodorowsky's Dune, if you've ever seen that documentary. I haven't, but yeah, I, I am familiar with He's the Swiss guy who designed all the things for it, right? No, no, no. Um, he, he's a... I'm going to mess this up. He's a 
South American director who was uh, famous for these like really trippy psychedelic uh, films uh, in the 70s, I think the early 70s the late 60s early 70s and uh one day like this one of his films did really well and so like the studio was like okay what do you want to make and he's like i want to make dune and he had never seen dune before oh wow <laughs> he like he had never read the book he just wanted to do it because it was the first thing that came to mind and so he gets like uh hr giger um, it, this was pre-Alien, That's pre-Star Wars. HR guy, uh, yeah. He's the Swiss guy I was thinking of who yeah, he designed all of the things for it. For Alien and for AI and uh-huh. for a bunch of stuff. Um, and he, uh, he gets, he gets like, um, it's, you gotta watch this documentary. It's like, he gets all these crazy people to, to build things for it and uh, to create things. Uh, Salvador Dali's in the movie. No way. And he's going to be in it. And he said he'd only do it if he was the, the highest paid actor in history. And so <laughs> they quoted him an obscene amount of money per hour, but they only had a short scene in the film that was like less than a minute or something. Yeah. And he agreed to it because they on paper, it would still say that like his fee would have been, you know, whatever amount per hour. Yeah. Um, And so... Yeah, it's all this stuff, and it gets into like pre-production, and it's it's literally ready to film. And on the almost the the eve of like the first filming date, all of the like the sets have been started on, like they're being made. Some of them are ready, and the studio cancels it. Oh man! And the thing about it is that the storyboards are were designed by like some of the most famous comic artists now in in like the planet and like uh, artists and in general, and um the storyboards for this in this book are like the Bible for modern sci-fi. There, there is no star Wars without this book because there are scenes ripped out of star uh, ripped out of this book that are in star Wars. And, and even today, like movies, like anybody who's making a sci-fi movie, like has a copy of this book. Like they have to, because uh, there are scenes in this movie that are just like reproduced again and again and again in like countless other iterations of different films as like people paying homage to this thing that it's literally like the Bible and the Holy grail rolled into one of modern sci-fi. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's pretty sick. I love, I love like how meta sci-fi is as a genre, like how self-referential it is. It's so good. But, um, it, it just going back to Captain America, I, I think, it didn't feel like a Captain America movie, but it felt like what I wanted. It felt like the kind of movie I wanted from Avengers 2, but also it leaves most of the power in Captain America's hands. Like, I, I think it is mostly built around him. I, the revelation of um, Tony Stark's parents and stuff that happens felt right. more like a, an Iron Man movie. But yep. at the end, with Cap, like at the, I don't actually want to spoil it because some people mightn't have seen it yet, and it only came out this year. But um, I, I feel like at the end, it just leaves the rest of the story and anything that could possibly happen more so in Captain America's hands than Tony Stark's. But I think yeah. that Robert Downey Jr. that is his best performance as Tony Stark. I think he. Was- I think so too unreal in that movie like he he reached some levels of depth uh for that character that were sorely missing from other especially from iron man 2 but um even from iron man 3 like they they really dug deep into that and i think he actually does better in the avenger movies because much like jack sparrow and uh in pirates of the caribbean for instance um pirates of the caribbean 4 sucked not because it was a, a bad film 
but because it was too much Johnny Depp. You know, mm-hmm. you like it like that character, much like Tony Stark, is meant to be the side character. Like it worked for Captain for not for Captain for Iron Man one because like he is the rock star, right? But over and over again, it's like the same kind of gags and the same. Like you can only listen to like like quote unquote like witty, intelligent sarcasm so much before it starts to get abrasive. Yeah, I have a I have a problem with that being the norm in like it's it's in everything now. I I have this thing that I say that like everything is Sherlock Holmes now. Every protagonist is Sherlock Holmes. Like the new Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, the new one. Like and the, Robert every, Downey Jr. Yeah. has everything to do with that too. But it's like yes, Harvey Specter and Mike Ross from Super they're both Sherlock Holmes and they mm-hmm. uh, they they well Harvey more so like he's just I, I don't know there's this assumption that because you are intelligent you're you are, a dick yeah you're literally <laughs> not able to hold that intelligence inside you you have to be brutally honest with people no matter mm-hmm. how much it'll affect your relationship like everybody has some sort of like mild autism or something yes. that it's like you can't be that smart without like not have without um like having social anxiety and like problems Completely. with expressing yourself in public it's it's a trope now that's prevalent in like most oh, yeah. of the most things that involve a, a male protagonist i think you see it like I don't know. Um, was were there any other movies you want to talk about from 2016 that came out? Uh, how could we not talk about Deadpool? I Cause... haven't seen Deadpool. What? I I do this thing where I I am a massive dickhead sometimes about certain things. Oh, you'd love Deadpool. Yeah, I just <laughs> I it's one of those things where like it, it took me like four years to watch Breaking Bad because I was so I haven't sick. seen Breaking Bad. Yet. All right, but is there a reason for that? <laughs> is it because you're sick of people coming up to you and saying, "Hey, man, you should check out Breaking Bad." Like I just kind of, that was part of it, but it was also like just finding the time. Yeah. Breaking Bad's also like not a like two hour movie though. <laughs> no, true, but but like I don't know, I I just I can't stand. When people insist that I watch something, and it's you not, know what, like I don't. I, I'd say I'd say hold off on Deadpool until that moment when you're really feeling the superhero film fatigue that a yeah. lot of us are feeling, and in that moment, that's when you should watch it. But the, save it for that. The thing I counter that with is, all right, he breaks the fourth wall. We all know that. It's what everyone says about Deadpool is you won't believe how many walls he breaks. But like every superhero does that now like chris pratt does it in or the um bow and arrow guy hawkeye jeremy renner like he does it in the avengers too when she's like the the girl is like oh this is i can't do it or whatever this is ridiculous and he's like look everything is ridiculous there's flying aliens outside and i've got a bow and arrow and it's like ah jesus could you just look into the camera a little bit more while you nod yeah like yeah shut up (laughs) i don't know i think that like it's like, the thing about I wouldn't say I know a lot of people talk about that as like the the draw for Deadpool, but I think the draw is actually how clever the writing was for that film because at the same time that it's stupid and crass and like rude and and everything like Deadpool has always been like a send up of other comics like it actively is poking fun of the genre that's what it's a parody like that's that's what that character was kind of like designed to do and i think but i don't think they'll be able to do it necessarily for the second film i think this might be like a one-off in terms of like how good it was at it but um the everybody in it was just so good at 
kind of poking fun at superhero films in a way that actually alleviated a lot of the fatigue that I was feeling for watching them um, in, in, a, in a really positive way, weirdly. And I think it's actually probably one of the better origin stories that we've seen for a superhero in terms of writing. It's actually like a decent romance movie. Yeah, I, I really, really liked that advert they did, the the trailer that was just based on the romance part. Yeah. I, I, that was so clever. Like, I really enjoyed that. But that, that. that feeling from that trailer is in the movie. It's weird. Like, it, it crosses so many kind of uh, borders that shouldn't be overlapping, but they are in the film. And I, I think it does a, a good job. I don't want to really, like, talk about it too much because, like, I don't want to spoil it for you. But at so, I'm not going to pressure you into it because I know what that feels like. But <laughs> at, at some point, I'm telling you, like, if you're ever feeling that fatigue, if you ever come out of... You know what? Save it for after Justice League when you come out of that movie and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. I honestly hope Justice League is good. But I, like, I um, honestly will never watch it. No, that's, I'm, I'm kidding. But I, I won't go to the <laughs> cinema to see it. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, like Rogue One came out this year. We can't really talk about it too much because we have something in the pipeline, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I, I think actually, didn't we openly talk about it on the, on the Christmas? <laughs> Don't <one>? tell them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we want to do a separate thing on that, but um, all I s- about Rogue One. I will say that Rogue One is a movie that was released in 2016, and that is a fact. So come at uh, me, haters. There are stars. Yes. And there are wars. Uh, and a rogue thing happens. And there's only one of them. One rogue thing, yeah. That's one rogue thing. Um, it, it's pretty cool. I think that's nicely summarized. We don't need to do the episode now. so That, kind of, <laughs> that was that, the episode. Get that out of the um, there's a couple other things that came out. Like, Hail Caesar came out. I don't know if you saw that movie. I didn't, but I, I actually really wanted to. And then, you I know love what? the Coen Brothers. Yeah, they're, they're the best. I completely forgot that it came out. Like, it completely slipped my mind until uh, earlier when I was Googling the highest grossing movies of the year. And uh, I was like... Eh. Brilliant movie. Yeah. It's like it's about film and it's, it's in such a great way. It's really great. Their style, I, everyone says it and it's obvious, but they're so unique and like only they can do it and they do it so well like they're i love how their movies just end abruptly like yeah. in mid-sentence i know yeah they're great. we should end the podcast this way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like at the end of the podcast just cut it off like we'll keep talking we'll do a proper ending but then just cut it off and it'll be a, <laughs> yeah. a nice little throwback to this comment that we'll forget about and you'll forget to do it yeah in all probability that's that's what'll happen um, uh, i know you haven't seen arrival yet but arrival was fantastic yeah and what really a symptom of a film I, I was telling you this before we started recording, and and it's not a spoiler at all, so you don't have to cover your ears if you haven't seen it. But like, what this movie does—that's absolutely—it blew my mind because I've never seen it done like this before. Is that at the moment that they're discovering something, they give you that sense of discovery as well. So like, they synchronize the film in such a way that as you have that moment, that like, oh wait a minute moment, that aha moment that you get sometimes when you're watching a film and you and you understand something that you didn't understand before about the plot. Um, they give that to you and the characters are experiencing that at the exact same moment. So you feel very involved in what's happening and it's, it's just really beautifully done. Yeah. Um, it looks so yeah. good as well. Like I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Just a very minimalist in a lot of ways, but in a, in a beautiful way. Um, I appreciate that level of, of minimalism because it forces the writing to be good and the performances to be good and the dialogue to be good and yeah. the, the 
camera work to be good and it's just it's so good the 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 sound engineering in this film is phenomenal um unlike batman versus superman and then we got stuff like zootopia also right like that that was a pretty awesome kids movie justine and i went to go see that and it was a really fun time i I enjoyed it a lot i didn't see it but it is the highest rated and the most critically acclaimed movie that came out this year so that's that was a lot of fun yeah did you see Uh, um 10 cloverfield lane i didn't i really wanted to and for whatever reason i just haven't gotten to it yet i really 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 liked it Um, i love john goodman um there's something about that man's voice that just is like melted butter he's great uh, in this movie too like really really good Um, just like melted butter in trees (laughs) do you get what i mean though like there's there's Uh, something in that analogy there's uh, some semblance of something (laughs) just like old oak and melted butter I, I, I'm kind of hungry after. <laughs> <laughs> and just like uh, the rumbling of thunder. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That that is sure. that that aspect of it is especially prevalent in Ten Cloverfield Lane. I, I can't say. even. I wish I could do his voice, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of the voices in Monsters Inc. Right. Uh, is is he Sully? Yeah, I think no. Yeah, he is. He is, and Billy Crystal is the other guy. Billy Crystal. What a guy. Um, what a guy. <laughs> uh, there was London. Nice Guys came out. You just reminded me. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but... Um, I haven't seen it, but everybody's talking about how awesome that movie was. Yeah, one and of my friends whose opinion matters said that it was great, so... It looked um, really funny. Yeah, I really like the other guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, which has nothing to do with this movie, but, I mean, they're both... I, I get the... Yeah, I get the idea, though. Yeah, like yeah. That. Um, Suicide Squad. No, Garbage. <laughs> I, I could talk at length. I could do an entire podcast about what's wrong with that movie, but you know, whatever. I, like, I, I sort of get why if you're a fan of it, if you're a fan of that thing, that you would like it because there's some nice things in it. But, God, but even people who were fans of it of the thing weren't fans of the thing. If you I know would what I'm like saying. to see the movie that they left on the chopping room floor. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that, like the original cut was probably interesting. Mm. <laughs> at the very least interesting i'm not saying it was good yeah it was, yeah like, no i, I agree the the movie was recut by it, it was a reaction to what happened with batman versus superman right yep. like people didn't like the tone of batman versus superman they, they were expecting more marvely kind of like comic relief and humor to be coursing through that and so they recut the trailers of suicide squad and people responded really really well to them because uh you had like a um um oh my god what's her name uh black heart uh well i don't give a damn about my bad reputation that song um and you had you had like all those like fun uh like poppy rocky songs happening you had queen um and and they made the movie look fun it looked like this is going to be their guardians of the galaxy it's their like it's their weird bet on the on on this on this film that they're 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 doing and they're gonna like throw they're they're gonna throw the dice and it's gonna be awesome and it wasn't and uh and it became really clear that the movie had been recut as a reaction Mm -hmm. to what happened with batman versus superman which is unfortunate because there might have been a more interesting movie in there if not a good movie at least a a movie that actually felt cohesive it was so obvious when you were watching it that that was the case too like they introduced will smith at the very very start 
Oh, yeah. And then they reintroduced him with Kanye West as his theme music. <laughs> and I will say the best thing about the movie by far was the soundtrack. So credit to whoever put that Spotify playlist together. Whatever algorithm chewed chewed up and spat out that fucking playlist that was great. Fun action. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the fact that Slipknot didn't even get an intro and he was the first one to die. Like, did anybody not see that coming? It, yeah. Ridiculous. Um, There was also... um. London Has Falling, which is, you know, Jared Butler's, uh, the sequel right. to the classic Olympus Has Fallen, um, mm-hmm. which is the best movie ever made. Now, um, I watched London <laughs> Has Falling and it was complete garbage, but there's something so enjoyable oh. to me about watching Jared Butler pretending to be American. It reminds me of what we spoke about in the Christmas one. There's where... just something enjoying about watching Gerard Butler. Yeah, he's the man. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm straight and that man is... He gives me some tingles. He's he's a he's a gorgeous man. Wish he was a better actor, to be honest. Ah, uh, it depends what he's in. Did you watch him in um, Rock and Rolla? Yes, I did. I liked him in Rock. He and was Rolla. good. In I that. thought that was yeah. Um, he's in a movie. He's called... good when he's Scottish. Oh yeah, yeah, he is because he's in a movie called Dear Frankie. It's like a an independent. Oh yeah. Movie. Have you seen that movie? I know, no, no, but I, I remember watching the trailer for it and wanting to see it. Wow, because, yeah, I've, I've never actually met another human who's seen it, but I'm sure that they're out there. It's a it's a great movie. It's it's so, it's just really good. People should watch it if mm. you make them happy. I'm going to write that down. Um, what else? Was, there was Ghostbusters, which I don't think we should talk about because then we'd be letting the feminists win. Am I right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? Like, people got people to gotta stop. Like yeah, I, I it, don't understand at all. Like, was it an amazing movie? No. It was it was fine. But it was a good. It was like a. It was a solid six point five to seven point five movie. Like I don't understand. Like worse, way worse thing. People were treating it like it was worse than Suicide Squad and worse than uh. Not to not to solely crap on DC, but like their offerings this year. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? yeah. Um. But there were there were plenty of bad movies. You know, like uh. I think there are some arguments for Ghostbusters being a stronger movie than Star Trek Beyond in terms of the way that it uh pays. Yes. respects the source material yeah absolutely 100 you know it was and that's a fact too because star trek beyond is is not a star trek movie at all like other it's other a, than the it's fast a fun and, ride but like yeah yeah it, it's a fast and furious movie set in the star trek in universe space, yeah. but yeah come on like um yeah ghostbusters was fine like you would really I, I don't know i mean the fact that before it even had a major release it was like a 3.7 on imdb and like when they looked at the analytics mainly the people who had voted it down were males between the age of 16 and 25. It's like, just come on, lads. Would you just... Could you Sorry, just... were we talking about Gamergate earlier? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, There's another thing I want to say about Gamergate, because I think we're at a point in the podcast where anyone who disagrees with everything I say has already stopped listening. But Anita I... Sarkeesian and her um, feminist frequency thing is I think it's really good and it's really important because it's one of the only pieces of gaming journalism where they review and respect gaming as actual art. Like, at no point does she say, this is terrible, because that's not what she's saying. Like, she's saying, these games are enjoyable, but look at these tropes that they continue to throw out time and time again. We need to move past this if we want to be considered a legitimate uh, legitimate art form. But everyone is just, ah, oh, this bitch is trying to tell me what, uh, uh, fuck off. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. Like, 
Oh, no, I, I I totally agree, and I, I it's it's getting it's old hat, you know. It's I'm just I'm tired of it. Yeah, like and, I, I can uh, understand, not that I agree with in any way, but I can understand why people would be tired of the feminist movement, particularly like young guys who are in the. I I I get it, but here's the thing: 2016 is the year where critical thought was reframed as whining. Yes, I know. People aren't some people are whining. Okay, like I get it. Like, and whining is annoying, but. There's a difference between criticism and critical thought and whining, and they're not the same thing, and you can't treat them as the same thing, and you can't dismiss stuff in that way. You know, it's, it's, you know, whether or not you agree with something, and, and here's a, here's a fun fact that you, people don't often uh, realize, and, and it might be news to, to, to some people, hopefully not of this podcast, because I, I think you have a wonderful audience, and I've interacted with some of them, and they're terrific. Um, but, you know, like, you can enjoy something and be critical of it at the same time. Yes. Absolutely. You know, like you can, you can have a blast with something. Something could be your favorite thing in the world. Like I, I loved the hell out of rogue one. Rogue one was fantastic. That film has quite a few problems with it. You know, they're, they're like, some of them are small. Some of them are uh, a bit larger. Some of them, I have serious questions about what the studio was doing, but you know, that doesn't stop it from being a kick-ass movie. That was a lot of fun. And the same thing happens with, like, feminist criticisms of things. And and not just – and here's the other thing. Feminist criticisms uh, also uh, – and not to get, like, too hung up on this, but, you know, as you said, people who didn't agree probably left already. Yeah. Is that uh, – the thing about feminist criticism is that it affects men as well. Because uh, guess what? Like all, all of the tropes of like the the gears of war. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Gears of war was apparently pretty good. Anyway, the the trope of like the gears <laughs> of war, like meathead, like muscle man, white, uh, ca- like Caucasian, like giant, uh, superhero, good guy. Like that's also something that feminist criticism talks about because it. Like, it's not fair to anybody. Like, patriarchy affects everybody, you know what I'm saying? And I don't mean to, like, throw out, like, these 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 terms that are probably going to have people asking you to never have me on as a guest <laughs> again. But, like, you know, like, it affects all of us. Like, if, we, you know, it's it's just the way that it's it's phrased, people jump on it, you know? Yeah, gen- jump on gender it. stereotypes are bullshit. That's All of them. Yeah. That's the thing, is that all of them are. Yeah, and yeah. I've mentioned that and before. That's all huh? people are saying. That's yeah. all people are saying, is that, like, some stuff is bullshit. That's you know, like, and we gotta call out the bullshit when we see the bullshit. I'm sick of having these cultural proxy wars. Like, I hate the mm. fact that Ghostbusters becomes a Gamergate discussion again. Like, Look what it's... happened to Leslie Jones. Yeah, like, I that know. That was horrible. She's yeah. a funny woman. She's super funny. She's great. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. I, I, I've been trying to sort of study the whole, that thing that's happening. Mm. Um, so that I can do a podcast about it, and I'm I'm having such a tough time, like sort of getting in, getting past my own like tribal you know biases, but just to I just can't I just can't really get into that zone and find out why so many like there are people who whose in, intelligence is is beyond doubt to me, people whose opinions that I really respect who who are like. Uh, I don't think Milo should have been banned at all, and I'll, and it's just uh, I, whatever. I, I I don't want to talk about it anymore. But yeah, it's, it's weird. But I think the point is that Ghostbusters was a decent film. It was a good film. It was fine, and uh, it was fine. You know, yeah. like and you didn't have to like it. You didn't have to hate it. And that's guess what? That's the same thing with everything else. And just because other people don't like what you like doesn't mean that you're wrong. You know. Yeah. 
you can enjoy stuff and and also be critical of it. That being said, Independence Day, worst film of the year. <laughs> I didn't see it because why would I? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, honestly, like worst. I'd say probably worse than Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I'm not surprised mm. to learn that at all. Um, <clears throat> I'll finish off movie talk with two movies that I think are great that are sort of. Low-key releases that you guys should check out. Uh, Green Room being the first one. It's a movie. Sorry, like it's been billed as a horror, but it's not really a horror movie. It's about a punk band who um, they're a really, really low-budget punk band. They're traveling around looking for a gig, and they end up getting a gig at a Nazi like skinhead event. Um, and they kind super of, fun. They kind of have to do it because they literally need the food to, for petrol to get home. Um, mm. And they end up witnessing a murder, and they're not allowed to leave. And Patrick Stewart plays King. Oh my god, that's that movie. Yes. Holy shit! Yeah. Oh my god, I love Pat Stew. Have you seen the movie? I haven't seen it. I I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, "Excuse me, what is Patrick Stewart playing?" And so good. And Anton Yelchin is in it, and he is one of the people that 2016 claimed this year mm. which was pretty sad but um because i really like him i really like alpha dog i thought that was an awesome movie but mm-hmm. um yeah green room like oh check it out it's very violent but not in a gratuitous way like more in a very realistic and visceral way i don't know i, I it was really really good and another one is hell or high water which is um it has got uh, Ben Foster and the other guy whose name I've forgotten because I'm terrible, but he puts in a surprisingly amazing performance, uh, whatever mm-hmm. his name is, and it's just a really, really good movie. It's about, like, it's sort of built off the back of the financial crisis and how that affects people who don't usually get a voice in movies, like the sort of, you know, the white working class guys who um, are just not often portrayed very well in movies or, or they're not right. really ever portrayed in a, in a sympathetic kind of light either. Um, but it's a really, really good movie. It's, it's a bank heist movie, but it's very good. Uh, it's Chris Pine. He's the main guy in it and he is just surprisingly brilliant in it. Um, I think he's actually a good actor who just has the misfortune of being typecast a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, I think Ryan Gosling has really fallen into that too in the last while. Well, yeah. we'll see next year with, um, Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, looks good. Uh, quick shout out to uh, Fantastic Beasts. Um, um, interesting first foray into what could be done with the Harry Potter universe. If any of you guys are into that, then I haven't that's, seen it, it was... but I've heard mixed things about it. Uh, it's it's pretty good. Like it's her first foray into screenwriting. Um, I like the idea of expanding that universe. There's a, an author that I really li- I loved. Um, I still love. He he passed away unfortunately. Um, oh my god, did he pass away in 2016? I think he passed away last year. Uh, Terry Pratchett, and uh, he has the Discworld series. It was and last year. It was last year, yeah. Um, and you know, he had this thing where he created a universe and he populated it with characters and then told stories about the characters. And so his different series all happened within the same world. And I would, I wish that um, J.K. Rowling would do kind of the same thing with yeah. uh, Harry Potter because be I. Awesome. That was Harry Potter is the reason that I read, and then I, I I've mentioned it on my podcast before, but like uh, it's Justine and I read because of that, and like she's an English major and I'm an English minor, and uh you know it, it's we have kind of like a like a debt I guess um, to that, but it it's uh it's such a fascinating kind of world that she's constructed, and I think this is this can only get better and more interesting as it continues, especially because she's writing it, and then uh, also X Men Apocalypse, um, which wasn't 
excellent and it wasn't i i don't even know if it was good it was all right um but without i feel like that was the last thing that had to happen before uh logan which looks like a very different type of movie and yeah. i'm very excited for that next the trailer year trailer looked amazing for that very different type of movie yeah yeah um, I didn't yep. see the X-Men movie. I wanted to see it because I loved the one that came before it, um, the Days of Future Past. But um, That was really good. I just didn't get around to watching uh, Apocalypse. But Yeah, I have to say, I, I really love Oscar Isaac. Fell in love with him in yeah, uh, uh, Star Wars. He was really charismatic, really um, kind of like floated in that line between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Um a really great interaction with uh, John Boyega as well. And, um, and I saw after that, I saw um, the other Coen brothers movie. Um, uh, oh my God. I don't even, well, it was know. about the, it was about the musician. Oh, it'll come to me. Uh, he plays a musician in it and, uh, that was fantastic. Huh. Um, I haven't it, even heard it was, of that one. Uh, uh, Lewin Davis inside Lewin Davis. Wow, I never even heard of it. That's really weird for me. It's it's a really awesome. It's if you like Coen Brothers, then it's a really great film. Yeah. Um, and then and I went to see X Men Apocalypse mainly. I'm not gonna lie because of him because I was like, this guy's got some good range. Like I want to see what he does here. And again, I think it's just a case of like writing and direction, kind of like taking an actor and and not using them to their full potential. Yeah, he he's um he's great in Drive and he's great in Ex Machina too. Two completely. Oh my God! Yeah, how can I forget Ex Machina? He was you know how i could forget ex machina because he's so different in that movie yeah he completely is that holy shit he's, he's an excellent actor i'm, I'm glad is. that he's kind of breaking out yeah me too I, I hate though that he says we got company twice in star wars the force awakens <laughs> i you know like that's the i know um i hate to say it but like jj abrams uh, yeah. you, there's there's a lot of good things that come with J.J. Abrams and then there's like stuff like that that, yeah. that kind of stuff that comes with it too and you know how much of that was studio involvement and I'm, I doubt that Oscar Isaac made the decision to necessarily say that line no, so many times. No, I think Oscar Isaac if he had any control of it would have changed that There's also um, the way that films are made uh, they shoot scenes multiple times and sometimes a- actors ad lib lines and occasionally what happens is that you have them saying different things uh, and the take that was good was the one where he said we've got company um, and then it happened somewhere else as well and maybe the people edit like people make mistakes editing films all the time Definitely, so like, yeah. or there or all, something happened with the other shots right like this stuff happens so like it, it might have been an accident or it might have just been the most usable footage like maybe you ask jj abrams and he's like yeah we're not a fan of that but like it was the other scenes like there was something that there was like there was like a a, a person in the background who wasn't supposed to be there yeah. or you could see the mic or like or, well, i don't know like a, any number of things can happen so it could be you that imagine too. oscar isaac like messing up that line over and over <laughs> like he's just not able to do it um should we move into music from 2016 yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to let you drive this one. Okay, so um, the year started off pretty strong uh, because Beyonce mm. kind of dropped Lemonade out of nowhere, and that was pretty great. I'm not like she a, put out a, a Lemonade stand on the uh, yeah. on the side of the street. She I mean, sold her album, and I mean, like, how many copies did she sell? It was pretty impressive. Although the little girl down the street did get shafted, and I think she has a bit of a legal case. But she we'll was see. charging like 25 cents for hers. Whereas yeah, I know, right? Beyonce's was on Torrance for free. Anyway, um, her, <laughs> um, I, I'm not like the biggest Beyonce fan in the world, but I do occasionally take a step back and just think, 
what a phenomenal person. Like, I'm very glad that I exist in the same time that she exists, because I think she's <laughs> outrageously talented. I, she's multi-talented, too. I really wish that she would do more movies, because she's actually a really good actor. But, yep. um, yeah, like, she releases great albums, and Lemonade was one of them. I don't really know what my favorite song would be. I really like the one with uh, James Blake and the one with Kendrick Lamar. I wasn't actually too keen on Formation, but I was quite happy when, like, you know, to hear the rest of the album and that it didn't flow the same way that that song does because that, that's a bit like too far into that kind of music that i just i liked really... that i liked that it was an album yes you know what i mean like that doesn't get done a lot now there's few bands uh and most of them are smaller who like put out albums you know like lemonade had a, a cohesive like it or hate it like or, or are indifferent to it uh it had a, like a kind of cohesive yeah, and I would say that to it. Rihanna's Anti did the same thing. It wasn't really great, but it was like the first Rihanna album that sounds like an album, and it is thematic, and it's atmospheric throughout, and it, it references different parts and different songs from different tracks on the album, and it's mm-hmm. really good. Like, it was a really good step for her career because she's always been, like, to music critics, kind of a throwaway artist, and I think now she's yeah. finally getting recognition as a legitimate like force in the industry beyond would you say her force is awakening oh yes i absolutely <laughs> would <laughs> i think that uh i was just briefly talking about criticism also um there's a thing that happens with beyonce and it gets poked fun of a lot but there are, are a lot of uh beyonce evangelists and let me tell you just because somebody has a criticism of beyonce does not mean that they're a horrible person and you don't have to yell at me it's weird, though, because I feel compelled to, like, shut anyone down that has anything bad to say about her. But the thing is, like, I think that's the thing is that um, – and it's almost like these moments where I can I, sort of, like, sympathize with, like, right-wing people because my criticisms of her aren't because – they're not right-wing in any way, and they're not because she's a woman. Like, I have genuine, like, artistic criticisms they're of Beyonce. because of she's Beyonce. Black, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no no um no it's because her name starts with a b yeah uh, no fair. it's because i i just i have i have my own artistic criticisms in in terms of uh, like music and and in terms of of lyric and then in terms of like um certain contradictions in things that she says and she does and things that she preaches sometimes um but i think they're they're small criticisms and they're gen- not nitpicky but like they're they're not like necessarily negative. They're just kind of like questions that I that I would like to sit down and ask her one day, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and yeah. sometimes when you bring those up, people jump on top of you as if you were, you know, saying that uh, that her place was in the kitchen or something. And it's like that's not what I'm saying at all. Like I'm glad that she's out. There. I'm glad that uh, that like there's there's these that young women have people like Beyonce to look up to. Like I, don't get me wrong, man. Like that this is this is excellent. Um, but, you know, don't just jump down somebody's throat because they have a criticism of Beyonce. Just like she's the queen bee. She cannot be spoken ill of. Like, come on. Like, everybody can be criticized. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like I said, I, I don't really think like I don't get formation. I don't get what's good about that song. Like, I don't. It, it just doesn't... But there you go. Like, people will jump down your throat for that. None of my listeners. <laughs> None of your listeners will. No, I'm sure people uh, will. 
but like there are these kind of and it's not just Beyonce like there's these evangelists for these for these artists and and um, sometimes for even like uh, for it happens with podcasters too like somebody says something and and somewhere else somebody says something else and it it becomes like a whole thing. Um, yeah, I I um have experienced this on a very small scale, but I used to do these go. videos called Top Five Tweets where I would like talk about five tweets that a person did and like really sarcastically deconstruct them where it sounds like I'm praising them, but I'm actually like not doing that at all. Mm-hmm. And so there was always a divide between people who got it and people who didn't. And the people who didn't yep. get it would say stuff like, what the fuck is this? Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. There's no way that, and then the people who got it would be like, actually you moron. <laughs> and, <stuff. laughs> and it was so entertaining, but, um, yeah, like I, I've had people sort of rigorously jump to my defense before, and I like it. <laughs> no, but. I like it. I like it too. But sometimes it it can be when it goes too far, and you realize that you have absolutely no control over those people. It's like censorship uh, almost. Like it's, you realize you realize that it's kind of like a lot of damage can be done. Yeah, and and it's not it's not a a good thing. And you it know, affects like, the way people view you as well. Exactly. Well, and that's that's why. Um, I don't know if you ever, I think I mentioned it on the other episode that we did, but the kind of funny, uh, podcasts, uh, kind of funny is like made up of a group of guys who, uh, left from IGN and created their own company and, uh, they can be seen through like Patreon and all of that stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, but their whole mantra is like creating, uh, a, like a positive community and they'll, they'll flat out call out people. Like if somebody, uh, they do like live shows over Twitch also, and if somebody says something in the chat that they don't like, they don't just uh, like cut that person off. They call them out and they tell them like, t- if you're supporting us on Patreon, take your money back. We don't want it because yeah. we don't want people here. Um, like it's okay to be like open and criticism, but if like you're being like racist or homophobic or or it, like the, it, it's uh, about creating like these um, like intelligent communities that are able to like discuss things without going to extremes. Like I, internet is kind of like a place of extremes, right? Yeah, absolutely, it is. It's it's where you become aware of so many things that oh, so many things yeah just so many yeah we'll just leave it there um, <laughs> I I guess um, another album that came out that I really enjoyed was uh, Deftones they're a band that like never I never quite grew out of even though I grew out of the whole new metal thing um, but they've been around since '95 and something like that they sort of pioneered the new metal scene i think i don't think that's too outrageous to say but their album adrenaline and around the fur um they did a lot for that sound that became really popular after that people piggybacked off um yeah but they really like sort of they their self-titled album i really enjoyed i really enjoyed white pony and then they released an album called saturday saturday night wrist and i didn't really think it was that good but after mm. that, they really hit form again. Like they had Diamond Eyes, which was great. Koi no Yokan in 2012, which was great. And then Gore, which I really, really enjoyed. And they mm-hmm. have really found their sound and they've gotten really comfortable with it. And then they've been adventurous enough to go outside of that too. Um, and it's really great to see a band like that that are still on form and that are getting recognition for, you know, making great albums. Like it's Yeah, and, and who still sound like themselves even yeah, though they've evolved totally, you know like yeah. that that's one of those things where it's like a radiohead still sounds like radiohead um even though they've changed quite drastically uh there there's just like bands that that still sound 
like them. They have the essence of them. And I know this is like a weird example, but like uh, of of something that didn't happen like that. But Coldplay was always criticized for having the same sound. Yeah. Uh, and they're like every Coldplay song sounds the same. Um, and then when they did change their sound, everybody hated it. And like, and now Coldplay has new fans that listen to their new stuff and old fans that only listen to their old stuff. And it's like these bands that create a kind of divide. And, you know, I, I'm not huge on the Deftones, but I do really res- I respect them. I have a lot of respect for them, especially, uh, was it their drummer, um, who had the, the really serious accident the or, bassist. or their bassist, bassist the bassist. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and they've really been able to like, uh, hold stuff together. They took a bit of hiatus for that and then they, they, they did what they needed to do. And, you know, they're, they they have a methodology and they stuck to it and they have a sound that that is uniquely theirs yeah, I think yeah completely uh, there's nothing else that's like it at all like it is mm-hmm. truly their own sound and it it's laced with these like sort of I don't know clunky atmospheric like horror vibes almost and yeah yeah it's, I got that it's very very good um they've got I, a lot of texture to their sound yes completely yeah I, mm. and it's it it, it, it sort of it shapeshifts as well but still sounds you've the watched s- it change yes <laughs> very nice reference very very good <laughs> the um, one song i know <laughs> really <laughs> you don't know the one song i know that? the title of oh, okay um did you listen to a moon-shaped pool radiohead's album yeah, yeah, I did. I really liked it. Um, I feel more and more with their albums, what's happening is I have to listen to it more than once. Yeah, definitely. They get into it. Because they're very experimental, uh, I think more and more it's, it's one of those things that you have to like revisit. I really liked it the first time around, but when I go back to it, I find what, what's happening with, uh, Radiohead for me is that, uh, I, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, man, but there isn't like a single on this album. And then one, one of two things happen kind of like the first thing is like, I realized that there doesn't really need to be. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that when you, when you listen to it over and over again, like there are songs that stand out and they're not necessarily the ones that had the music videos made for them and are like the quote unquote singles. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of different for everybody. I have one criticism of it. And it's the silliest criticism ever, but it affects the way I listen to the album. Mm-hmm. So all of the tracks on the album are in alphabetical order, and that bugs me so hard. Like, <laughs> it somehow takes away the fact that it's an album to me. Like, they couldn't be bothered to make a running order that like makes sense thematically. Oh, but- and instead I mean, they were like, here's the tracks in alphabetical order. And I know that that's not what it is. And I know that they're also not trying to make some kind of pretentious statement or whatever. But no, I'm, well, <laughs> I mean, I think the, the thing is that like Radiohead doesn't do anything by accident. Like everything is done on purpose. And there's a there's a reason for that. Yeah, and, uh, but it there's it, there's a reason for why this album is in alphabetical order. And the crazy thing about Radiohead is you might not find out what that is for two more albums. I know, but it bugs me. It affects the way I listen <laughs> to the album now. Like I need it to be. I don't know. I just I need my albums to be cohesive and feel like a unit and feel like one like piece of art. You know what I mean? Like one complete was thing. It, uh, was it OK? No, hang on. It was the King of Limbs. If you played it with one of the other albums, yeah, I it, think it was uh, it in was, Rainbows. It might have been. It was in Rainbows and OK Computer. But 
that oh no yeah oh in rainbows but that whole theory doesn't actually hold up it's only no, it it's only like two songs that fade into each other beautifully and yeah. the reason for that but was that it's like the thing with the kojima trailer with the baby disappearing it's like well yeah you synced it to the baby disappearing so of course that shows up yeah it's not like yeah it, it's it's a great theory and it's great like to just think about it a band doing that but it doesn't really hold up to reality like to what actually that part of it doesn't hold up but the fact that the two albums are connected somehow is true and tom york has said as much that the two albums are connected so um there's there's little tidbits here and there that that they leave and i i think like i can understand why uh because it's kind of like an almost like an ocd kind of like oh why is it in alphabetical order like i i get it Uh, but at the same time, I almost kind of like have to, they've been around for so long and they've been doing this for so long and they're so good at what they do that I'm like, that was on purpose and there's a reason for that. Yeah, you're right. Like they are so calculating, but there's, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like it's, it's hard to, it, it sounds so silly, but it's all of my favorite <laughs> albums are albums that represent one creation, like one theme, like that kind of thing. And yeah. I feel like this album just loses me slightly because of the track listing. And I know how shallow and superficial that is, but it just, you know. Just yeah. don't look at the track list. Yeah, it's the only way. <laughs> just let the music play. Um, Chance the Rapper released a mixtape called Coloring Book, and it was phenomenal. And I'm so happy that he did it because I think it's it's basically this, like, it's called a coloring book and it is really colorful. Like it's so like biblical and nice. It, it's just, it's really, really, really positive music that like, it doesn't take shots at anyone. It, like there's not much negativity on there. It's just a great album to listen to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mixtape technically, but like, come on, it's an album. Um, right. But yeah, the tracks on there are so uplifting and I just really recommend anyone listen to. It. I don't even think you have to be a hip hop fan. It's just the song they're very songy, you know what I mean? Like they're they're less rap and more like sonically driven and I'm gonna have to check that out because like you're you're hitting some I'm I'm not big into rap and I'm not big into hip hop, but like you're hitting the things about hip hop that I do like with that, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to give it a listen. It's got a lot of soul, I think, is the best thing to say about it. Okay, you won me over. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, do check it out though. It's it's really good. It, 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 uh, speaking of soul, d- didn't De La Soul put out a new album randomly? Uh, yes, I think so. Because they they headlined some festival that I was at too. I think just out of nowhere they put out a new album. Nobody was expecting that. You've got to love when people do that. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh yeah, by the way, we made this. In fact, um, Run the Jewels, their album was not supposed to come out until the 13th of January, and they released it on Christmas Day. So That's nice. And it's an awesome album, and they are among the greatest at the moment, I think. Um, I want to give a shout-out to an unknown band that uh, I played one time on the podcast called Camp Cope. They're an Australian like girl band. And nice. They are phenomenal. Um it's just, I mean, it's it's like fairly basic indie sounding music, but the lyrics are so compelling and so powerful. Like, I, I can't even explain it, but there's a song on there called um, West Side Story. And if you just listen to the second half of that song and if you don't feel something, I will give you your minutes back. Um, <laughs> there's another track on there called Lost Season One, and it hit me like a 
it was like I had been headbutted by a planet after I listened to that song. I don't know why. Just nice. The lyrics really, really spoke to me, and it made me feel really sad, but also made me click repeat on it. And I don't repeat songs. I have to listen to albums only because I'm incredibly um, like obsessive, compulsive about that kind of thing. But mm. this song just really struck a chord with me. Um, there was uh, some other albums like the... Um, people have already heard me talking about like Drake's uh, Views album, which was not as good as I wanted it to be, and it turned out to be this bloated mess that didn't really flow mm. very well, and and was not representative of the type of music he was making in the build up to that album. Because during right. that build up, he was putting out amazing tracks that they didn't even have choruses because he's so good that the verses themselves are the hooks, and the beat switches mm. in the middle, and it becomes a whole another song, and like he's just on form. Like, he's peaking, and it's great, but he just cannot make a good album, and it irks me, because I love him so much, and I love his music so much, but his albums are so tiring to listen to sometimes, because they're just littered with this garbage that, I don't know, um, but it sells well, it was one of the highest selling albums of the year. Um, also, there's a rapper called Future, who put out like 13 albums or something like that, and uh, they were all pretty good. Um, just to rattle through some more, uh, James Blake, uh, The Colour in Everything was pretty good. I didn't really know what to expect from it because his music is a little bit strange to me. Um, but it was a decent album and probably his most accessible one so far. Um, do you know a band called The Naked and Famous? I feel like I've heard the name before, but I, to be honest, I've never heard them. They have a song called Young Blood, which I'm sure you probably heard during the summer of 2014. But, um... But sounds familiar they're awesome and their album from this year was awesome too um i don't really know what else that i really wanted to talk about in music like there was uh i had one and i lost it um i'm gonna try to find it um but keep going (laughs) uh there's a punk rock band called against me and i love them um, I love all their albums, but they released an album called Shapeshift with me, and it sort of continues on from where Transgender Dysphoria Blues left left off, um, and it's a lot more um, it's a lot more rounded than that album. It's more well put together, and it's got a better production, I think, and it's just as good in many ways. I, I kind of prefer Transgender Dysphoria Blues, but. Uh, Shapeshift with me is still really good, and it's definitely worth the listen. There's a song on there called Tree, 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 which is unfortunate for me to have to say out loud, but if you (laughs) need a reference or whatever, go check out that song and then decide if you want to listen to the rest of the album or not. And then there's a band called Beach Slang who are like this alternative sort of... I don't really even know. They bang things really loudly, and that's great. And they had an, an album called A Loud Bash of Teenage Feelings... And uh, it's great. Do you do you know Japan Droids? They're a Canadian band. I don't think I've ever heard them. What what kind of music do they play? Sort of like what I just described about Beach Slang. It's like they. Oh okay. The, but they're great. Um, but Beach Slang have sort of piggybacked off their sound a little bit, which mm-hmm. is really hard to replicate. But um, Japan Droids have another album coming out in like two weeks, and I'm so excited for it because it's their first one in like four five years, I think now. Mm. Um. So yeah, that was me quickly rattling off. Every- Kendrick Lamar released um, Untitled Unmastered. It wasn't really an album, but it was very good and totally worth listening to if anyone you know, cares about my opinions about music. 
it wasn't uh it wasn't the one that I was going to mention. I can't remember what I was going to actually say. But um I did want to shout out the uh, the new Childish Gambino album. Um cuz Childish Gambino put out a funk album and it's actually really interesting. Really? Uh it's it's different from I know a lot of people find Childish Gambino kind of uh, abrasive, but this album is kind of musically mature and and really, um, it it's weird that it kind of feels like it goes along with uh, Atlanta, his his show that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of two separate personas though, like Childish Gambino and and uh, Donald Glover. They seem like very different um, entities. Yeah, but I'd agree with within. That within like Atlanta and uh, this new album, like there is like this weird overlap of because Atlanta is kind of about the music industry. Right. And, um, I, and it's, a, it's funny in its way, but it's also a lot, it's more serious than stuff that we're used to seeing Donald Glover in. Um, and I just find it interesting that like, uh, I, I wasn't a fan of his music and I'm a fan of him, but, um, he puts out this funk album and I really like funk. And uh, I I thought it was really interesting, so uh, check that out because it's it's if you're not a big Childish Gambino fan, then it, it, you'll find it interesting. I hope, and if you are a Childish Gambino fan, then you'll probably still find it interesting because he's weird and <laughs> he does weird stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of his at all, but I'm also not a big fan of funk music, so I think it might be a, a bad <laughs> idea mm. for me to listen to it because it might just push me away that little bit more. Whereas I, I but it's not like traditional funk. Like it's it's funk with like a an interesting kind of uh, a twist to it. Um, also, weirdly, you know, he puts out a, a funk album the same year that it's announced that he's going to be playing Lando Calrissian. So yeah. I feel like the he just needs to let the mustache grow in and he'll be ready to go. I'm so happy that he's doing that. Oh, that that's like the last thing that had me like really on board for because uh, I was kind of really questioning the the Han Solo movie decision. Um, and then they announced that. Um, What's his name? Einrich Ehrenreich? I don't um, know, but whatever. I'm just so glad it's not Miles Teller because I it, yeah. I wouldn't watch it if. He well, was... he this guy's in Hail Caesar. Um, he plays like a like a singing cowboy. All right. <laughs> and uh, it's very like you. It's not a Han Solo performance, but that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. And I think it's also good that he's not like a really huge, well-known actor. Um, but he did a really good job in that film, and I feel like if he can get the swagger right, like the kind of effortlessness of Harrison Ford's performance, um, and if they can get his hair right, yeah, <laughs> because his hair doesn't look like Harrison Ford's, um, but that's like a, a minor thing, uh, then he could potentially nail it. But the second that... And, well, the other thing that was uh, the Rogue One trailers and then Rogue One coming out has me, you know, more convinced than ever that uh, Star Wars is in good hands with Disney and with Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, it's John, I, um, Lawrence Kasdan wrote the script for it. So it's the same guy who did Empire, Return of the Jedi, and, uh, now, uh, Force Awakens is writing the movie. It's been described as kind of like a, a heist slash, uh, cowboy film, like a slash, uh, heist slash Western, which, I mean, there's a lot of Western influences in, in the original Star Wars, which is great. And especially with Han Solo's character. Um, and then, the casting choice of Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian just like sealed the deal for me. Like I'm yeah. all on board for that movie. 
Yeah, it's it's great casting. I was so happy when I found that out. And I, like I said, I'm not even a Childish Gambino fan, but it's just really good, <laughs> really good casting. I'm a I'm a Donald Glover fan. I don't I don't like his music very much, but um at all. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I I I'm a Donald Glover fan. I've been watching him since before. Uh, hipster moment here like i've been watching him since uh he was on his uh sketch comedy uh like internet he was like a youtube sketch comedy performer all right uh, with a group called Derek comedy and uh that's like where he got his start and it's like they were in high school and they were just like making dumb videos online and uh you know like I've I've been a fan since back then, so. Well, I've been watching him since he was Billy D. Williams' pal. So. <laughs> I've been watching him since he was in Utero. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of I've kind of lost touch with a bit of music. I I was so into music. I I had a band that I I, I played in. Well, we. we <laughs> That sounds too professional. Um, I had a band that we started and we had started to write music for, and then we never ended up doing our first gig and it fell apart because our, oh, our, uh, our, our, uh, lead guitarist moved away, uh, for school. And oh, then wow. we kind of all dissipated. Um, but, uh, you know, like I, I was really into music. I, I played guitar and I, I did vocals and I did, I, I was so involved in, uh, in, in just like listening to music and finding music and researching music. Actually, the, the person who would have been really good for this segment of the podcast is Justine because Justine knows me- stuff about music that I, I don't even know where she gets this stuff. Like she, she finds out things. Yeah. A, the time. It's, that... it's kind of the way that we talk about video games. You know? Yeah. 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 She well, just pulls this shit out of, of, you know, like thin air and, and starts talking about it. When I found out that she was an Our Lady Peace fan, that pretty much solidified this uh, this <laughs> collaborative partnership that we have developed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She she kept laughing about it afterwards and she said, like, oh, I can't believe he listens to Our Lady Peace. That's so funny. It is. And that your like, your favorite album is uh, our favorite album as well. It's I, I, Yeah, I, I can't express to you how difficult it is as well to be an Our Lady Peace fan over here because nobody, <laughs> nobody knows who they are. And yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess my last thing i'll say about music is uh two albums one is biffy clyro's ellipsis which um i don't you probably don't know who biffy clyro are um i don't think yeah they're not really big in uh in north america as far as i know they have had some some hits over there i think but not not majorly um they're great they're such a weird band and they sound different from album to album but they really hit their peak there a few years ago um, but I went to see them uh, last month, I think, and they were phenomenal. Such a great live band, and uh, I had such a good time. And the new album's really good. There's about like seven songs on there that could all be hits. Um, and for a band reaching, uh, like this is like their seventh album, so like that's some pretty good going from them. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, California, Blink-182, um they have returned oh, right. with an album, and they ditched Tom DeLonge uh, in favor of Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio. Um, and I really used to like Alkaline Trio when I was growing up. Um, for a while, their Private Eye by them was like my favorite song. Um, but I, I even met Dan Andriano from Alkaline Trio in Dublin in like 2012. I, I have his guitar pick, 
somewhere in this room. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, they got rid of Tom, who I think was probably the most creative force within the band, but was probably the most destructive force, too, because he just didn't want to be in the band and didn't want to have anything to do with it or wanted it all on his own terms. And I don't think Blink-182 have ever been a particularly amazing band or anything, but I, I think it's mostly a nostalgia factor for me that keeps me coming back to them. But I'm just yeah. not willing to let go of their self-titled album because of the profound impact it had on my development as a child so um shout out to blink 182 for coming back and making an album that was not really that good but you know was perfectly listenable in every way just not quite tom DeLong blink 182 so um yeah i've been i've been so out of it with music that I, I like i really wish um i need to devote some time to it now in the in the summer i think i'll i'll take some time to to just explore music again but i find like my music tastes are, are um, they're like they're pretty selective uh in terms of, of what i like and what i like listening to that i end up um just re like finding things that um are similar but different to things that I'm already listening to and kind of deviating in that way. And, and uh, a lot of the time that means that I find a band from, oh, from like six years ago that maybe isn't necessarily together anymore and they only yeah. put out two albums. And I'm like, man, that stuff is really awesome. Like, um, I don't know if they're still together, but, uh, like a while ago I was looking at music and I, I found, uh, the black box revelation, um, really interesting band. I, don't remember where they're from they're finnish i think all right i've never even heard of them yeah yeah they, they have a really awesome single luster love that's like totally kick-ass song um it, really really awesome and uh uh you know they did come out like way before and it's just like something that i missed when i was listening to something else so um i don't necessarily unless it's a band that i, I religiously follow like my favorite band is uh black rebel motorcycle club oh and, nice yeah, yeah, I I love those guys. I've seen them uh, twice live now. Nice. Um, shook Peter Hayes' hand uh, and uh, told him he had a great gig. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, made eye contact with him, melted a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, he, they're they're such a kick-ass band. The first time I went to see them, they uh, they literally played until their fingers bled and they couldn't play anymore. Nice. And, and uh, especially, um, I love their drummer, Leah Shapiro. She wasn't the the original drummer, but when uh, when she joined the band, like I think they they started doing some um, some really interesting new stuff. And uh, she's just such a different style of drummer. She's she has just slightly off timing on purpose, and it, it's just it's like a, a very it gives them a very uh, interesting sound that uh, I really appreciate. So they haven't released a new album this year, but I think they announced that they are recording stuff for a new album. So I yeah. guess that counts as good news for music from 2016. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So like that kind of stuff where, you know, I'll, I'll if, if I'm really following the band, like I follow Radiohead or like I follow Black Rebel or um, the, the Black Angels, I find that apparently a lot of the bands that I like have the word black in them. <laughs> Yeah, black light. It just society, happens. Uh, black star um, cherry, black lab. I think black lab are Canadian. I'm not too sure. Oh, you know what Justine got me into this year? Uh, Temples. I've they have a, a very '60s revival kind of sound, like authentic '60s though, like really, really interesting early Beatles-ish kind of. Uh, uh, not early, like I guess leaning uh, almost around Revolver, maybe. Okay, the the I don't know they, they, Beatles album. Maybe. The best Beatles album, maybe. Um, yeah, 
they they've got a really cool sound and uh, i lean a little bit more towards like the psychedelic garage rock kind of uh vibe but i mean that's just to you know we'll we've spread the tape you you you've uh you suggested a lot of um you know like hip-hop and and rap and and uh like more like uh like that side of music yeah. and like i'm very much on like the other side of stuff but like i really i i really appreciate music from everywhere and, and i think uh 2016 regardless was a great year for music because as long as you're out there discovering new music and enjoying it and playing games while you're listening to it or just sitting down and like having a drink while you listen to the album then i think you're you're doing it right also rediscovering old music because oh, yeah. in 2016 we saw the documentary supersonic about oasis and oh yeah it just made me tremendously happy and i fucking love oasis and like i people who are crazy into music don't ever take that seriously because they think oasis are the worst and it's the same three chords in every song and stuff like that but they hold a special place in not only my heart but i think in like the legacy of British rock and roll, I think Oasis mm -hmm. will go down as like the last great rock and roll band. And you can say I'm using the term great lightly, but you know, 70 million records. It's, it's sad sold. because uh, Arctic Monkeys had the chance and they've just, we were talking earlier about bands who changed their sound and they, they're just not the same anymore. Like I feel like Arctic Monkeys put out two ridiculously solid albums that started and they, they're such performers. I saw them live uh, when they, their further third album, which was like kind of like the beginning of the end for me as a listener anyway. Yeah, I wasn't crazy um, yeah, it just, it got like weird and, and dark and, uh, and, and it was missing the kind of like bon vivant that, uh, that their first two albums had, you know, like. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm gonna start a music podcast soon. Um, which I hate. talk to Justine about that shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I hate like saying things like this because I have a horrible reputation for not following through with things. And mm -hmm. I think it's because I don't follow through with things. I think that's where the reputation comes from, but um, uh, that can't be it. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's slander, but um, I want to call it noise pollution. I have the image, like the thumbnail and the font, and all mapped out in my head, and I know how it's going to sound, and I know what it's going to be like. But I want the first episode to be about Oasis because I feel like the narrative has already been set for them that they had two great albums, then they mm -hmm. fell apart, and then they were garbage after, and, and all this stuff. And like, I disagree with most of what people think about them and what led to their implosion and, and their downfall and stuff. And I have so much to say about it, so I figure, fuck it, I'll put it into a podcast. And Yeah, why not? As we just discussed, like I have a lot to say about music, so I think there are a lot of other bands I could talk in detail about, so that's... You know, I was... I was never huge into Oasis, but like I, I really like the the kind of Brit pop, I guess genre. I that's what we call it over here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't that, know that that's is what, what like it, that is like a blanket term that was applied to pretty much any. Yeah, other. and I think a lot of Australian bands piggybacked off of that, and they're still producing a lot of that kind of sound. Like I know when the when the Vines first came out, I yeah. I love the Vines. Um, uh, they fell apart for for health reasons. Um. But uh, man, the their first two albums they they had such a like a weird mix of that like again like sixties revival psychedelia and then also like Brit pop and then like really like grungy like almost screamo yeah uh, like it was such an interesting blend and it was so 
not original, but also original in that unoriginality. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's what Oasis did too. Like, really. Yeah. Yeah. What What was the the What was the Vines like breakthrough song? Um, get free, probably. Yes, that's uh, it. And out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get free was on like every advert and stuff like that. Like it was really put out there. I remember that. Yeah, oh, those nice. two first two albums, like say what you want, but like, man, those first two albums kick ass. They rock. Yeah. Like, what a rocking band. And then they transition so seamlessly from that into uh, like really slow songs, right? See, like uh, Homesick. There's something in that, um, and and Arctic Monkeys did it too. And mm-hmm. these bands did that for a reason. And that's what I want to talk about in my Oasis thing is that the sound that Oasis made was consistent throughout their career and like they did do experiments they did verge into other realms that were not really noticed because by that point they had escaped the public eye so much but yeah there's a reason that bands don't stick to that rock and roll sound and if yeah. you look at even like Linkin Park who are one of the highest selling bands Rap in the rock. history of music yeah and then they changed into this really melodic like perfect harmonies mm-hmm. and like like just really sort of a more songy type band uh Coldplay yeah. did it too like you referenced earlier like they were never a hard mm-hmm. band per se but they totally evolved into a huge like soaring sort of anthemic type band and there's a reason that bands do that and it's that rock and roll music doesn't hold up for that long like yeah anymore uh, people don't like rock and roll music anymore there's not which really, is is uh, sad i think yeah i think, I think like so there's too. ways of doing it right and i think unfortunately and it it does again sound like kind of a hipster thing but like the 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 bands that do it well are sometimes bands that aren't necessarily like so much in the in like the public sphere you know like they're bands like uh like black rebel motorcycle club they're yeah. they're they're smaller bands who in, who spend all of the money that they make touring on making the next album and then yes. couch surf, you know, and then like, can it get more rock and roll than that? In a way, it's almost a good thing that rock and roll isn't huge anymore because it means that there's a lot less bullshit in that in that genre because rock and roll had a spirit to it that I think uh, got consumed by consumerism, you know, yeah, and uh, and so like sometimes the stuff that you find now is coming from a place of, of more authenticity. But I mean, there's also really interesting stuff. Like, um, I think that the, the first, th- I'm going to say the first three and a half, um, um, oh my God, what am I, what am I saying here? Um, oh my God, what is the name of that band? Kasabian. Oh yeah. Kasabian. The first three Kasabian albums are freaking awesome and then velociraptor is where they sort of started losing me a little bit yeah um, velociraptor is garbage i think there's really good songs in velociraptor um but they're they're kind of in sandwiched in between other songs that aren't necessarily uh good uh, yeah, they're <laughs> which is stupid band. because um what what was the album before that west rider popper lunatic asylum that's their best effort holy shit you want to talk about like an album that's like a like a a unified concept like you know the story behind that album yes i do and did you know that it's got rosario dawson on it like i didn't know that he has rosario dawson yeah she's the woman that talks about the treatment or in yeah 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 like yeah yeah. i think that might be the title track right Yeah, yeah yeah i think so yeah um, but Thick as Thieves on that is like, it's like Surge, yeah. like channeling the Beatles in some way. But Where has all the love gone? Yeah, that that's such oh, that, an Oasis song. That whole song. album is such a freaking phenomenal album. 
Yeah, it's really good. And I mean, just like really quickly, we we referenced how awesome the concept was, and then didn't say what it was. They they went to like an old uh, lunatic asylum, um, and they read up on the stories and the history of everybody uh, who was there, and they created music based on like the kind of psychological profiles of like these old uh, kind of like uh, inmates. Yeah, and it's and it's that's the most creative they've ever gotten as a band because I think they really fell down after that. You know what Justine's theory is. Uh, is that musicians are excellent until they get married and have children. I think humans are excellent until they get married and have children. <laughs> That's the thing I could talk about at length as well, is how, yeah, I won't get into it now, it's for another podcast, but uh, uh, I think we should call it a night. Yeah, yeah, um, this went a lot later than I thought. But yeah, hey, 2016, yeah. what a year. There, there was some bad stuff, but there was a lot of good stuff, and there was a lot of awesome, entertaining things that we just spent quite a while talking about for your enjoyment. Yeah, and it's just really good that we could give something back to you after we have taken so much. <laughs> <laughs> we are 2016. Yeah, and we have taken all your loved ones. Oh, no. We were like the Krampus. We just put them <laughs> in a basket and drowned them in a lake. We've taken some of your loved ones. I think that's fair <laughs> to say. But um, um, here's to no deaths in 2017. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like it's going to be like the one year in history where absolutely nobody died, and we're going to have a food shortage. Planetary <laughs> overpopulation in 2017, Yo! where the only thing that will die will be the planet itself. Oh, what a happy note to end things on. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> this is the, by the way, this is the last episode. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, no, I, I honestly think like a lot of awesome stuff happened in 2016, from from video games to to movies to to music and everything in between. You know, like and and if you're out there and like I said earlier, had an amazing 2016, don't let people make you feel like garbage for saying that 2016 was a great year because even though we lost people like Bowie and and uh, Alan Rickman and and uh, well recently Carrie Fisher and yeah. you know, like and and other people who were who were really important in our lives growing up and who influenced a lot like there, a lot of excellent things happened and uh, and we have to remember that as well yeah that's a great note to end on for both the year and the podcast it's been an okay year <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean in the right context it was a great year and yeah in a really negative one it was you know a sad year you just got to look at the positive, folks. You Yeah, you got to remember that in 2015, there was a person whose entire family died in a horrible, tragic accident. And uh, for that person, 2015 was the worst year. And maybe 2016 was nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's like things. a kind of like sour, weird, <laughs> feel good because someone else had a worse year last year. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But compare, you know what compare your unhappiness to the unhappiness of someone much more unhappy than you. <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know it, it's it's just a year and uh, bad stuff and good stuff happen all the time you know it's just what we pay attention to and I think we need to pay attention to both to approve you can't have one without the other she insists that she's a lunatic closer to the bone she hardly ever visits upstairs with ride the telephone well i guess beauty does what beauty does best it's beautiful sits 
that's the trouble with reality It's taken far too seriously I do hope God is good to me And Santa Claus and the children celebrate This party's over I'm going home To celebrate This party's over I'm going home So there you have it, folks it turns out it was 2016 all along. All this time, it has been 2016. Crazy. But that's the end of the episode. We're closing out with a song called Celebrate by a band called An Emotional Fish, which is a terrible, terrible name for an album, and presumably the reason why they never had any other hits apart from that song. But they're an Irish band, um, and it is a pretty cool song. And you know what? It's saying this party's over, I'm going home, and that's how I feel about the year 2016 and the podcast itself. So um, that's how we bring the episode to a close. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did and you'd consider leaving a like, I would really appreciate it and i will even pay you to do it just leave your paypal in the description that's not gonna happen but um seriously your support is uh very much appreciated and i think the last two three months uh we've been on fire with the podcast i know we missed two weeks but i was in southeast asia what are you gonna do but we've made some great episodes um we've had some great guests on i think it's been the most diverse year for the midnight hour in terms of the range of topics that we covered and the different types of guests we had like the different people the new people that came on so i'm really really proud with the podcast this year and i think it's my crowning achievement of 2016 and i think even if the year was terrible in every other way you know that you can count on the midnight hour to semi-regularly upload you know stuff that you may listen to at some point or another and that is not nothing i'm signing off with that because it's terrible and cheesy and awful and you know, it ruins the whole podcast. So I hope you guys have had a really good 2016. I hope you have an even better 2017. And I will see you next week. Peace. Well,